0: The Jones Report featuring 24-7 sports writer Riley Gates talking about the return of Big Ten football and breaking down the Big 12 conferences coming up in just a few moments. But first, I want to talk to you about our friends at No Coast Lids, a hat brand based out of Lawrence, Kansas, a company that embraces Midwestern values such as hard work, having fun, and treating everyone the right way. Their signature hats include the Kansas Sunrise, the Kansas Thunderstorm, the no-coast freedom, and many more. Each hat is specifically represented with wheat, windmills, buffalo, and storm clouds which showcase the heart of Kansas. The four colors found in all designs display the four seasons we have, green for spring, blue for summer, red for fall, and white for winter. Kansas Sunrise hoodies are also coming soon. All products can be found with pictures and pricing on No Coast Lids' Facebook page in the Shops section. Hat styles available include truckers, fitted, beanies, and visors. Visit No Coast Lids on Facebook. Tell them that Tyler Jones sent you, and you'll be glad you did. The Jones Report is also presented by SmackApparel.com. SmackApparel.com offers the best in your face-themed shirts to get under your opponent's skin. These guys have hilarious pro football and college football-themed shirts for you to support your favorite team, but more importantly, to diss your rivals. And for a limited time, they're offering you 20% off Chiefs Super Bowl winning shirts, including Party Like It's 1969 and the 31-20 Game Over shirts. Get 20% off with the promo code 2020CHIEFS. Only good for purchases on smackapparel.com. And put the promo code in at checkout for the discount. That's promo code 2020CHIEFS. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Riley Gates of 24-7 Sports. He is their national news desk writer, and uh, he covers all things college football and other sports. And so we're going to get his insights on the Big 12 Conference, also formerly of GoPowerCat.com. And I look forward to uh, chatting with him and catching up with him. Also get his insights on the Big Ten, announcing that they are coming back. Later on in the show, we'll have our weekly Pigskin Pick'em presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. We'll also have our Tom Fullery story of the week and more. And uh, we'll uh, look forward to getting to all that on today's show. And as always, subscribe to The Jones Report. New episodes now every Monday and Thursday Right there for you to download the Monday show, a little bit quicker, 30 to 45 minutes as we look back at the weekend that was in the National Football League and in college football with no guests, just myself and Thomas Bridges. And then we'll have our normal full Thursday show with a featured guest and our regular segments. And Thomas Bridges joins us now. Tom, happy Thursday to you. What's going on, man?
1: Oh, you know, just, uh, getting back in the swing of things. Uh, you know, I don't know if I've mentioned it yet, started a new job in downtown Tulsa, making that commute from Bartlesville for now, but eventually, you know, hopefully looking at getting moved into Tulsa, becoming a Tulsa resident, uh, maybe visiting your parents in Coweta every now and then broken arrow. yes. Uh, <laughs> 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 all right, right. I, you know I had to put the joke in I had to slide that joke in there but uh uh ready for some college football this weekend jones will be the first I w- I would say the first real athletic or sports event that I've been to I guess if you want to count uh Tulsa FC as a live sporting event uh but if you don't then this would be my really my first live sporting event all year long legitimately the last one that i went to would have been the bowl game in houston where osu played texas a&m other than that uh have not been to any sporting events so i am
0: ecstatic it has been a minute for you i went to that debacle of ku and coastal carolina last weekend And that was only the second sporting event, uh, you know, at a college or professional level anyway, that I've been to since the pandemic started. Uh, Went to the NASCAR races at Kansas Speedway back in July. But it's a totally different world, and it was really weird being at that KU game with no fans there and just how eerie that place felt. And KU, of course, losing to Coastal Carolina i um, glad to be there, but certainly wasn't the same atmosphere, and we didn't get our press box food and all that. Uh, it was a late night, 9 o'clock kick, but nonetheless, uh, we will take what we can get, and glad that we uh, have sports back. And speaking of taking what we can get, Tom, the Corona Bros got handed a Big L on Wednesday as the Big Ten Conference announced that they will go ahead and go forward with a fall college football season beginning October 24th, It will involve every school within the Big Ten Conference. I know there was some discussions about Michigan maybe not having approval from their governor or something like that, but we will play college football at the Big Ten Conference in 2020. Eight-game schedule over eight weeks, all conference games in the Big Ten, and what a victory this is for the country. You have to feel happy for the parents and the coaches and the players. And the Big Ten – this was the league that wanted to be the trend center, that put themselves out there that they were going to a conference-only schedule. Then they put themselves out there that they were going to be the first of the power conferences to to cancel, and the Pac-12 followed them and such. And then they expected all these other leagues to just follow suit, that they would be doing the same thing that the Big Ten did. That wasn't the case. And then... You have these last couple of weeks where we've played college football. Things have been successful. The Big 12, they didn't necessarily look good on the field, but they did play football nonetheless last week. And you've had some of the smaller conferences playing for the last couple of weeks. The ACC played last week. Uh, we'll see the ACC and a couple more Big 12 teams play this week. And the SEC is going to get started here in a couple weeks. But. Here was the Big Ten thinking that everybody was going to do what they wanted and that they were going to be uh, the heavy lifters here in all this and that they were going to be the ones that looked like the smartest people in the room, but that is certainly far from the case. And the Big Ten, when they announced that they were canceling their fall season, the whole idea in mind, Tom, was that they were going to uh, go forward with playing in the spring. And – from the jump, that was always a ridiculous, just a ludicrous idea from the Big Ten Conference of the idea of playing in the in the spring. There was nothing, just nothing that indicated that playing in the spring was any safer than playing in the fall. And there was the idea of maybe even playing around Thanksgiving for the Big Ten Conference. But that certainly wasn't safer either. When you talk about this second wave of coronavirus and flu season and not to mention making these athletes play twice in a calendar year. None of it made sense. And even a Thanksgiving start, you have no chance of making the playoff at that point in time. It's too late. Everybody else is moving forward with their season. Just none of it made sense on the part of the Big Ten Conference to play in the spring or start in Thanksgiving. It was no safer then than it is right now. And sure, there's been some hiccups. Uh, there's no question about that of these first couple weeks of the college football season. But for the most part, it's been pretty successful. And we haven't heard of any major outbreaks among teams that have had fans in attendance and such. Uh, this just makes sense. And this is a great day for college football. Um, you know, I was very hard on the Big Ten with the decision that they made. And I still don't think that they've perfected things. Uh, you know, they still ripped – a couple of games away from these players and their families and coaches and such. But at the end of the day, the big 10 made the right call. And it's wild that we're sitting here that the conference of dysfunction is the big 10, that the big 12 handled things the right way that the sec, the ACC, those leagues did it right. And the big 10 is the ones that's not the leaders and the legends in this case, They're the followers here in 2020. And, uh, you know, for Nebraska and Justin Fields and Jim Harbaugh and all those people that spoke out, um, you know, without them speaking out, I don't think the Big Ten is playing football in 2020. And also, love him or hate him, I think that you have to give President Donald Trump some credit for pulling off this season. If you recall, when President Trump was very public about that the Big Ten should play football, Uh, People said, what is he doing? This is not going to affect anything. This is just political. And then he reached out to Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, and offered rapid testing and made that available. And President Trump after that said that, look, hey, we're on the one-yard line on making this happen. And people even reacted to that and said, well, do you have 99 yards to go then? How close is this really? And then within a week or two, we have football in the Big Ten Conference. So – Kudos to the players and the coaches for for standing up and saying they want a season. Kudos to President Trump for doing what he could to make rapid testing available and really pushing for this season to happen. And I know that I said, Tom, that the Big Ten, if they were going to start late, they shouldn't have a right at the playoff, but the timing of it, they have scheduled out their season to play eight games in eight weeks, leading right up to selection Sunday. Uh, I will open that door again. I think that the Big Ten, if they have a team that has a good enough resume, uh, that they deserve to be a part of the discussion now. I will give them that right to be a part of this college football playoff if they have a team that's worthy of it. This is a great day for not only the Big Ten, but all, for, but for all of college football at this point.
1: Yeah. You know, I think after, you know, I think it was a little bit of all things considered, to be honest. Uh, you know, they, you know, the, the, the movers and shakers in the big 10 that wanted to play spoke out, uh, it, you know, it wasn't a good look for them. Anyway, we get through week one of the football season and everything seemed to be okay. And, you know, we're doing rankings and we're everyone else is getting excited. We're having a great time. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of it could have been done to uh, you know, Big Ten seeing that and being like, oof, all right, we can't miss out on the TV contract money. Like, we've got to, uh, you know, dollar-dollar bills, y'all. I think they saw the money that was being made or that can be made safely. I mean, at the end of the day, the almighty dollar will win and it won in this case. And it just so happens to benefit the rest of us as well as the players uh, because this can be done somewhat safely or, you know, it would have been – as equally safe as if they would have done it in the spring. I think they finally came to that conclusion. Also probably realized that, Hey, if we don't get in now and try to get in later or in the spring, the chance that we are going to miss out on the championship is, you know, or the college football playoff is pretty much a done deal. I don't know about opening the door just yet. Uh, maybe just because I'm a big 12 homer and, for the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12, and, and even these smaller conferences have done it right and decided to. Now you want to turn around and go back on your word and, you know, the almighty dollars catching up to your decision, and you're thinking, well, you know, we can get in on this. Let's go ahead and play an eight-team conference schedule now. If one of these teams ends up being undefeated, but you have a one-loss team from any of the other conferences uh, that looks just as good, how do you play that out? Uh, you know, not equal number of games, uh, you know, shorter, you know, more practices probably on the ends of, uh, you know, the likes of Ohio state and and Michigan and, you know, the other schools. But if you think about it, I mean, they're going to get more practice time. The amount of injuries that could possibly occur in that time span are less, uh, rightfully so, um. Uh, I, I could open the door again. Uh, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, I'm not bitter. I'm just kind of like, well, you guys missed the damn boat. You guys should have gone on it a long time ago. Now you guys want, in when we start having a good time, uh, I almost want to go and and bleep me if you will, too fucking bad, but (laughs) I'll get over it.
0: Well, and and now you talk about how tough it is to choose four teams in a normal circumstance for the college football playoff. As is, you look at the Big Ten now. How do you measure up? Let's say an eight and two SEC team versus an eight and no Big Ten team, or the ACC who's playing an eleven game schedule. How do you stack up a nine and two ACC team versus an eight and no? Big Ten team or a 10-1 and ACC team of some sorts. To me, I'm opening the door. I'm willing to listen, but I still think that the Big Ten uh, is at a disadvantage here. That, you know, if there's a pecking order of sorts, if we're trying to find the best teams and the most deserving, it's still going to be those three conferences of the Big 12, SEC, and ACC that still are first in line to the discussion before the Big Ten has a right to. Now, we've seen folks say that, you know, whoever won the title as is, there was going to be an asterisk and such without Ohio State playing and all that. Um, Ohio State's good for college football, plain and simple. And just to have the Buckeyes a part of this, to be a contender again, Tom – I would add up, edit my playoff picks, and I would say that Ohio State very easily can run the table at 8-0, and uh, assuming that they don't have COVID cases where they have to suspend their season of some sorts. If that goes all well, Justin Fields and company, Ohio State, you would have to think is going to be the favorites to win the Big Ten, that they very easily can go 8-0, and that they'll be a part of the playoff discussion here. Um, I think that Having the Big Ten involved, whether the Pac-12 plays or not, and that's a whole nother thing of the Pac-12 trying to figure out if they're going to go ahead and go forward and play. And big victory uh, yesterday with the uh, Oregon governor, Kate Brown, giving the exemption to Oregon and Oregon State to allow them to play. Still waiting on California here. Uh, but with all that being said, I think that you are now going to have a legit national champion. Um, even if you have a debate on who those four teams should be, the fact that Ohio state is playing football in 2020, whoever wins this national championship, they are going to be deserving and there's no asterisk to it. It's a weird season. Sure. But we are going to have a legit champion here in 2020 now.
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, I, I don't think even without them, I wouldn't so fast to put an asterisk by any one team. Um, Unless it was OU, and that's because I'd be bitter about it. But there still wouldn't be rightfully so, just because all the all, every you know everything it's it's happened to everyone you know the same. Uh, no one's getting an advantage out of having COVID be around. And I mean, no one's getting the upper hand. I get it. The non-cons got eliminated and, and all that. Now, Jones, another thing to consider: if OU runs the table and goes ten and zero, and Ohio State runs the table and goes eight zero. Uh, but let's say maybe Ohio State looks better has a better margin of victory or you could even say strength of schedule considering how the big 12s looked do you put is there a world that you put Ohio State a higher seed than OU at that point there's no way
0: no um, I think that the discussion for an undefeated big Ten team is comparable to teams with losses I don't think uh, that Ohio State or any big Ten team has a case over an undefeated conference champion in the other leagues at this point in time. Um, Now, in the Big 12's case, this is where it gets interesting. We said this on Monday's show, Tom, that it looks like it was a really bad idea for the Big 12 to play non-conference games with the way things shaked out last week of going 0-3 against the Sun Belt. Now, doesn't this look even worse that the Big 12 not only went 0-3, but now... Essentially, with the Big Ten back, um, I don't know what the playoff chances were of Iowa State, K State, and KU. Anyway, they they weren't they were slim to begin with, but they're done before their conference season is even begun. They are not playoff contenders. They're off the radar completely at this point in time, and also in the process, they hurt the image of the league as a whole. Um, if Oklahoma or Texas or Oklahoma State is undefeated at the end of the year. Because of the way things went against those Sunbelt teams, people always wonder how good is the Big 12 really? Because when push came to shove, the teams that you beat weren't really that good to begin with.
1: Right. And, you know, you don't expect TCU to be that much better than those three teams that lost. Not in my mind. Maybe they shock some people. But at this point, your bottom five is already pretty much rounded out at. You know, starting from ten, you'd probably say KU. Uh, I mean, at this point, probably KU Tech. Uh, you could flip flop. Honestly, you could probably flip flop K State and Iowa State at this point. Maybe I'm speaking too early, but I think you could flip flop those teams either way. Uh, and then you would have um, you would have probably TCU and, and then West you Virginia. Could probably say West Virginia, West Virginia, Baylor. Oklahoma State, Texas OU, I mean, at that point, And then Baylor this weekend has a matchup that literally got created on Saturday uh, out of pretty much thin air <laughs> and, and only a game that Army wishes they could just have done. And they sent out – I don't know if you saw that Army tweet where they looked like they were trying to find a matchup, looked like a dating site. Uh, but Baylor found a quick match. And Houston's not going to be easy, and we'll get to that on the pick segment. But, I mean, Baylor's only 7.5-point favorite, uh, new coach. I mean, there's a little bit more embarrassment that can still go on, knock on wood, that OSU go ahead and covers and doesn't add to any embarrassment.
0: Last thing on the Big Ten, too, before we move on and talk about the National Football League, Tom, is that the Big Ten does not have a whole lot of margin for error. With playing just eight games, not only are we talking about that it will be tougher to get a team into the playoff at this point, but also the guidelines the Big Ten has laid out. If a player gets COVID, he is out for 21 days. That's three games that a player could miss with a positive COVID test. That's you know, over a quarter of your season at that point in time if uh, a guy is out for that long. And I believe the number is if the team is at a 5% COVID positivity rate, they can't play. They have to sit out. So if you're a team like Ohio State, not only for all these schools that are trying to you know, make sure these guys are healthy and everything as is, but if you're a team like Ohio State that needs every game you can to be a playoff contender – You cannot afford to miss one game because of a COVID outbreak of some sorts, and you can't afford your opponents to do so either. Um, If I'm Ohio State, I'm talking to Kevin Warren, and I'm trying to figure out what's the backup plan to the backup plan. If one team can't play, uh, who else are we going to play in this league? How are we going to make up this game and make this work or whatever? Uh, This not only is the Big Ten – late to the party as far as getting this season going of the conferences that are playing, they have the worst plan of anybody going forward. The big 12 had those built in bye weeks and they're already using them. And that already looks like a smart move by the big 12.
1: Yeah, it does. It gets a little shifty there uh, because you, you mentioned Ohio state because obviously that's the front runner, uh, but not only for Ohio state to get a 5% COVID rate going, if any of their other opponents get it, then that means it would, either, it would be a canceled, postponed game or a forfeiture. Uh, and I don't think the college football playoff would look too kind on a forfeited game uh, due to COVID. I mean, they're not going to get that even if it was going to be an easy win for Ohio State. It's just not going to happen. Uh, I mean, at this point, it's it's with the way that we've seen teams get COVID, you know, you look at Arkansas State, Granted, smaller school, but you see some of these other schools that have had players that have COVID. It's nothing new. Ed Orgeron came out and pretty much said that, you know, his team's had, it. he didn't know the stats on it. Uh, maybe not the wisest move because that came under controversy just a little bit. Uh, but the chances are that one of these Big Ten teams is going to come higher than a 5% rate. And they, I don't know if they have a backup plan. This could all, for the Big Ten, the rules that they have set in place, their COVID guidelines, could end up making their return to the college football landscape uh, all for shits and giggles.
0: It very well could. And who knows, maybe it's a situation where it's a setup. They're saying, hey, we told you so, that we're going to throw these guys out there, but we're going to shut it down quick uh, to prove a point of some sorts. That's not. That would be of the, a
1: Big Ten move if I've ever seen one.
0: Right? It's not out of the question, considering how bad – The plan is. I'm glad that they're playing and they're going to go forward with it, but it's not thorough. It's not as planned out as the other leagues is. It's a makeshift approach and it's got problems written all over it as far as that goes for the Big Ten Conference. We'll move on. Let's uh, talk about the NFL, the National Football League, and a look ahead to this week uh, across the NFL. Let's start with the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs coming off a big win last week on Thursday Night Football against the Houston Texans. And Uh, You look at the way that they won that game, Tom. Looking back at that real quick, Edwards-Elair ends up leading the league in rushing for the week with 138 yards and one touchdown off of 25 carries. Patrick Mahomes, 24 of 32 through the air for 211 yards and three touchdowns, and the defense stepped up, gave up a couple touchdowns late that they should should not have otherwise. In the Chiefs situation here, you won last week in an unconventional way running the football, and the short passing game. Now this week, as you gear up to play against the Chargers, I think we're going to see more of a traditional week from the Chiefs, that this team is going to play the game that we know that they love to play. Uh, last week, they took their time. They wore out a lot of clock. I expect the Chiefs to play you know, in this first-ever Chargers game at, at a SoFi Stadium the Chiefs to put up a lot of points to throw the football down the field and to score quickly here. I think this is going to be a 180 from the Chiefs team we saw a week ago and more like the Chiefs team we've seen the last couple years. And they've had their way with the Chargers and the AFC West. Chiefs have had six straight wins against the AFC West dating back to uh, 2018, Tom. Yeah, and if you
1: were going to tell me, Clyde Lair, you know, is going to be the leading rusher after Week One. I would have said, you know what, with the way the Chiefs' luck has gone, you're probably right. But I still would have been shocked, and I still am shocked. And you know, the rich just get richer. Uh, I think Chiefs, like you mentioned, are just going to go back to the style of play that they're known to do. I think all everyone was kind of been like, oh, okay, this is a little different Chiefs offense. Uh, but I, I can't see him straying too far from that for far too long. Uh, you know, a little bit better defense, I would say, with the Chargers this week, but not as a good of an offense. So uh, Chiefs are going to still put up some points. Um, I mean, we'll get to it on the pick segment as well, like I said before, but uh, you got to think the Chiefs will go back to good old boy Chiefs game.
0: Yeah, and the team they're facing, this Chargers squad, with uh, Tyrod Taylor or Tyrod Taylor, whatever his name is, um, they put up, what, 16 points in that win last week? There's nothing that impresses me about Terod Taylor and the way that he plays. And I know the Chargers have a couple weapons, you know, like Keenan Allen and company, but the Chargers got a lot of problems. Tom, I know that there were some people that, you know, were kind of sneaky high on the Chargers, maybe even potentially as getting one of those last playoff spots. I just don't see it. That win last week, they had no business even winning. If uh, the Bengals kicker, doesn't pull his hamstring, then the Chargers win. Uh, the Chargers lose to the Bengals last week. Uh, there's nothing to me that screams anything that the Chargers are legit at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could you could argue saying, you know, I, I know that the Broncos lost and, you know, the Raiders ended up pulling it out barely. But you could be – I mean, you wouldn't be hard-pressed to say that this Chargers team might end up finishing last in the division.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you. I think there's they are going to finish last in the division and and uh that line at eight and a half, we'll pick that later. That just blows my mind. The Chiefs aren't favored by more than that. But uh we'll get to that pick coming up later on in the show. But based on the way that we were talking, I think you get an idea probably what Tom and I are going to pick in uh, our Picks Against the Spread segment presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. But looking at the other games across the league this week, Thursday night football, the Bengals taking on the Browns, two former Heisman Trophy winners in Baker Mayfield and Joe Burrow. This game in Cleveland, uh, both teams lost last week. The Browns just got demolished by the Ravens. A bad outing for Baker Mayfield. Joe Burrow had a decent debut uh, against those Chargers we just mentioned there. He was... 23 of 36 for 193 yards and an interception. Uh, Tom, this game is kind of sneaky good, actually, between these two teams. Um, I know that they're coming off losses here, but the battle for Ohio coming up on Thursday night here, that game should be a lot of fun. And you have a rookie quarterback in Joe Burrow against a guy in Baker Mayfield who's been kind of playing like a rookie quarterback himself. Baker's kind of regressed. This is a a very important game for both these teams and both these young quarterbacks.
1: Burrow versus Baker. Uh, You know, some of you folks will tell you that you're going to see this for a while. I might say it might not be too long, but who knows. Uh, More important for the Browns to win this game, obviously, than the Bengals. I do think Joe Burrow, just the type of guy he is, he's a lot like Baker as far as competitiveness goes. Uh, and and you know obviously Baker has had his taste of losing in these past couple of seasons with the Browns. Where before he had won so much. Same thing with Burrow. Uh, you know I think Burrow ends up not necessarily in this game a winner. I think overall he'll win more games maybe than he loses. But he's gonna have to get his fair share of losing in. He's gonna find out uh, what it's like to you know be on a team that finishes last in the division. And, you know, has a top five pick. Um, So it'll be interesting to see those two quarterbacks go after each other uh, because, you know, Baker's going to want to welcome him to the league just as much as Burrow's going to want to banish Baker to the shadow realm of what (laughs) is the AFC North division.
0: (laughs) Right. Uh, How about the Broncos and the Steelers? Uh, Both these teams played on Monday Night Football last week in a separate game, Steelers. Look pretty good against the Giants. Uh, you know, I would say the Steelers, the steel curtain defense is back uh, between Watt and you know Minka Fitzpatrick and those guys. The Steelers have one of the best defenses in the league, and Big Ben had a really good showing in his first game back off of injury. Three touchdowns, over two hundred and twenty-five yards, and uh, I will say Ben does look a little stiff. Uh, you know he he looks like. You know, a little mini Jared Lorenzen back there. Uh, He's kind of fat, and he can't move around much. (laughs) Um, But And and James Conner does not have any speed running the football. Fortunately, they went to Benny Snell, the former Kentucky running back, who had a good day. He had over 100 yards on the ground. Um, You know, the Steelers, I, I think the Steelers team's pretty decent. The Broncos, on the other hand, Drew Locke, uh, I'm still not sold on Drew Locke as a franchise quarterback. I think he's a game manager. He played decent in that game against Tennessee. Um, the, the Broncos have problems. We know that with you know Von Miller out and several other guys here. I think the Steelers are going to take care of business just fine in this one, Tom.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, how about Snell, though? You know, we talked about that game. Connor just looked like a shell of himself almost. I was kind of shocked at the lack of of explosiveness for Connor. Uh, Snell, though, where does does Steelers just keep finding these cats? Right. No pun intended since he's from Kentucky, but still.
0: (laughs) Oh. I bet you James Conner was eating at the he same place. Great. I bet you Conner was eating at the same place Big Ben was. Uh based on that speed, uh it was just simply not there. But uh by the way, Noah Fant. I had him on fantasy last year, didn't get him this year. If you're looking for a bright spot for Denver and uh you know a sneaky good fantasy find, Noah Fant has turned into a really good tight end uh there with the uh, Broncos. Uh on a Sunday at noon as well, Giants taking on the Bears. The Bears had quite the comeback win uh, against the uh, Lions. Giants coming off that loss. Daniel Jones didn't play terrible. He had close to 300 yards and two touchdowns. Um, and the Bears' offense, for them, looked good last week. Bears are favored in this one. I think, Tom, the Bears are about to start 2-0 and here, and that would certainly be a surprise uh, to begin this 2020 season to see the Bears on a, a decent run. I'm not taking them seriously by any means, but uh, – looks like things are shaping out their direction here.
1: Right. It does. I mean, uh, yeah, they pulled off. the. I mean, they got lucky that Swift pretty much dropped a surefire game winner, uh, in that one. And, and Trubisky, you know, fighting for his pretty much career life here, uh, after the season he had last year, I will say though, I did see it pop up. Alan Robinson, uh, requesting a trade from the bears. It looks like pay the man, um, you know, he's, Right. Yeah. I mean, he's going to end up going somewhere. I think he knows that the outlook of the Bears is not so hot, and he's he's wanting to go maybe somewhere else that's not Chicago. Uh, but you gotta would you would imagine uh, that that Chicago probably does get this one. But Saquon Barkley. I mean, I know you know we mentioned the Steelers defense how great it was. I think he had six yards rushing for the cool. Giants. I that's just not going to cut it. It's supposed to be your 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 main man yeah maybe out for you know receiving yards maybe made up for a little bit of it but Saquon Barkley's got to be better
0: oh my gosh yeah he does uh and the bears you need to pay Allen Robinson he's a legit number 1 receiver in this league and and it'd be a shame if uh they trade him and can't be able to uh, pay him the money he's due falcons taking on the cowboys we're going to pick this game coming up later on in the show uh the Cowboys lost a close one against the Rams last week. The Falcons uh lost going away to the Seahawks. The Seahawks were in complete control in that game. Tom, uh first game back at Jerry World to uh, begin the season for the Cowboys. You know, tough close loss. You know, Mike McCarthy, you know, should have gone for that field goal. We know all about that. Um, I expect the Cowboys to bounce back. I think that uh, you could see a good showing. That Falcons defense doesn't impress me at all. I think Dak and Zeke and CD and company could end up having a big day. There could be a lot of points from the Cowboys come Sunday.
1: Yeah, and, you know, the Seahawks carved them up pretty well. Um, I, You know, Seahawks' offense pretty good uh, with Russell Wilson and, and, you know, a few other key pieces. But you would have to imagine that this Dallas offense is going to bounce back uh, you know, I, I hate to say it, but CD Lamb probably, you know, he's already had a pretty good uh first game, you know. Maybe that little, you know, yardage line route that he ran could have been a little deeper. Uh but I mean you can't blame the man. Mike McCarthy should have taken the field goal. Glad he didn't. Uh, I don't think he's gonna falter two games in a row like that. You you would imagine Cowboys probably go ahead and and, and get this one.
0: Yeah. Uh, Lions taking on the Packers. This is a popular bet, Tom, as far as underdogs this week. A lot of people are picking the Lions to cover this game. Green Bay with a great showing last week on the road at Minnesota as Aaron Rodgers threw for four touchdowns and 364 yards. Adrian Peterson had a great showing for the Lions on the ground, close to 100 yards. Devontae Adams with a big day, 156 yards, 14 catches, and two touchdowns for Green Bay. Uh, both these teams, pretty decent offenses here. Tom, I think we're going to see a lot of points, but the Packers ultimately are going to be too much. What say you?
1: I think the Packers are going to be too much. And and the Lions, the poor Lions, last year, there were so many games that were one possession that the Lions looked like they had and then slipped away. I think this is another season like that for them, unfortunately. Uh, and I'm I predicting another classic Aaron Rodgers game.
0: Yeah, there you have it. Another classic Aaron Rodgers game is the pick from Tom there. We'll see what happens. The Jags taking on the Titans. Tom, this game always feels like it belongs on Thursday Night Football on one of those NFL Network-only exclusives and should be wearing the Color Rush uniforms and everything. That's not the case. It's a noon game on CBS. Both teams coming off wins. Uh, Derrick Henry and the Titans, I think, going to be too much. Uh, I did like what I saw from Gardner Minshew last week, but there's no way they're going to do it again against one of the better teams in the AFC, right?
1: Yeah, no, I, I can't imagine. So they did prove me wrong. Maybe the Colts had a little too overhype but they, they're not doing it to the Titans.
0: Vikings taking on the Colts. We'll pick this game coming up later. Colts are a three-point favorite. Uh, both these teams lost last week. Tom, I like what the Vikings have. I know that things didn't really go their direction, but I very well think that they're going to have a good season. The offense was still good last week. The Colts got a lot of problems with this bunch. Uh, with Phillip Rivers, I don't think he's necessarily the answer, at least for that price tag anyway, and uh, what's going on there. Can the can the Colts defend home field, though, against uh, against this Minnesota team? What do you think?
1: You know, I don't. I don't think so. You know, the Vikings, they were favored last week against. Uh, you know, the Packers got Aaron Rodgers there. Uh, still put up a lot of points, uh, and you know, the Vikings' defense is not terrible either. And I, I think they're going to be too much uh, for Phillip Rivers, uh, even if it, even if it's in Indianapolis.
0: Bills taking on the Dolphins. The Bills are a five and a half point favorite on the road. Tom, traditionally speaking, this game. Much like that Jags-Titans game is one of those that you just throw away and and uh, you have on the TV in the background and not really paying attention to it, and your wife is screaming and the baby's crying, and you go handle that business and all you missed was the field goal. Um, that's not the case anymore. The Dolphins are better than what they were uh, the last couple years. Brian Flores is doing a good job there. Uh, Fitz Magic played decent last week against New England, and Buffalo is the favorites to win their division. Josh Allen had a great performance last week. Tom, I like the Bills here, I think, by a couple touchdowns here, and this game is going to be a better game than what it traditionally is.
1: Oh, I think so as well, and I, I like the Bills as well. Uh, you said it's only five and a half points?
0: Uh, yes, five and a half.
1: Is is the spread here? Yes. I mean you could go ahead and, you know since since this is not on our pickem uh as far as games not on our pickem give me this is the lock this week I got the Bills locked uh, over the Dolphins not a slide on the Dolphins but this just feels like the year for the Bills that they're just head hunting uh, and I think they got a good thing going.
0: The uh, 49ers taking on the Jets, the 49ers lost a close one against Arizona last week. The Jets looked ugly. And uh, their loss to the uh, Buffalo Bills, Tom. Uh, I would be shocked if the Niners don't bounce back here, right?
1: You would, you know, if they don't bounce back. ESPN had an article out: uh, Bucks and Niners in trouble. Uh, and I'm like, okay, that's overreaction Monday. We all do it. I would be. There would, might be concern if the Forty ers don't bounce back.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, they they need to win this one uh, before that becomes a real discussion. The uh, Rams taking on the Eagles. Uh, we'll pick this game coming up later on in the show, Tom. Uh, the uh, wh- who's going to need to step up for both these teams uh, for the Rams and the Eagles? I'm thinking that this is a quarterback matchup. I'm thinking this is Goff versus Wentz, and uh, and they were you know picked in the uh, the same draft there. What are you thinking here as far as who are the guys that need to come through to win this game? You
1: know, obviously, same draft. It's it's uh, golf wins, but, uh, you know, for the Eagles, it's going to have to be the offensive line if they want any shot on this because Carson wants to be a pass off if they don't even somewhat block at all. Uh, you know, and for the Rams, I'm going to go a little different pick since you said the quarterbacks. Uh, you know, first game out, Cooper Cup didn't have a bad game, but as far as the receivers that had kind of taken the spotlight, it was uh, Robert Woods. Uh, Robert Woods had the spotlight. However, many catches, 105 yards, look great. Uh, I, I look for them to get Cooper Cup more involved, uh, and I look for the Rams to use the running backs the same way they did against Dallas, a little three headed trio. Uh, but Cooper Cup is my game changer for the Rams this week.
0: The Panthers taking on the Buccaneers. We mentioned uh, the Buccaneers needing to bounce back after that loss to the Saints and already concerns out there about this team. The Panthers, even though they lost to the Raiders, Teddy Bridgewater still had a good showing last week. Uh, I still don't understand why you don't have Christian McCaffrey running the ball on fourth and one. That one didn't make sense to hand the ball off to a fullback. But nonetheless, Tom, uh, the Bucks, Tom Brady's first game at Raymond James Stadium here. I think the Bucks win big. I like them to, to cruise through this one. Tom Brady and company bounces back and uh, handles business. And, and the other guys, too, the new guys like Gronk and, and Leonard Fournette and others that didn't really play that great last week, I think they'll have a big presence here and have good games as well. Uh, nice debut for those guys uh, in uh, Tampa. What are you thinking about this one? Yeah,
1: I think the the Bucks bounce back here as well. I'm not counting out the Panthers completely, but, you know, I I think the Bucks' defense is, is going to be able to limit Christian McCaffrey uh, in, in ways that the Raiders could not, um, and, and so I think that might be the determining factor. They're going to have to, uh, you know, they can't lean on Tom Brady completely, not saying they did last week because, you know, obviously that didn't work out too hot, but. Uh, I think the defense could be a determining factor here, I, but I do think Brady has a, I mean, a much better game, you would imagine.
0: The Washington football team taking on the Arizona Cardinals. That's still funny to say, by the way. Uh, Arizona, a 6.5-point <laughs> favorite at home. Uh, Kyler Murray last week led the Cardinals in passing and rushing nearly 100 yards on the ground and 230 through the air for two touchdowns. DeAndre Hopkins with a big day. 14 catches, 151 yards. I know D- Dwayne Haskins played well, and the uh, Washington squad had a, a good second half last week, but I-, I don't see them doing this again. I think Arizona's going to be just fine here. What are you thinking, Tom? If uh,
1: if last Sunday wasn't the Cardinals coming out day, this Sunday will be. I, I-, I like the Cardinals big.
0: Ravens taking on the Texans. The Texans, of course, Lost to the Chiefs, and uh, they have a couple extra days off to get ready for this one. They'll need it against Baltimore. Baltimore with a big win against Cleveland last week. And Lamar Jackson, as good of a year he had last year, rushing the football and what he was able to do in the short passing game, he's gotten even better in 2020. This guy, last week we saw him throwing the football down the field. He was staying in the pocket, and he was still effective. Those are the things he needs to do. To take that next step in his maturation, I like the Ravens. I know they're on the road here, but uh, much like the Chiefs, they had their way with Houston last week. I think the Ravens are going to do much of the same as well, and the the uh, Texans are going to be in trouble. And uh, Tom, I would expect that you mentioned that uh, the uh, Texans coach Dan or the uh, Falcons coach Dan Quinn is already in the hot seat, and we wonder when he's going to be let go. You gotta wonder how much longer does Bill O'Brien have in Houston, especially if they get manhandled here by uh, Baltimore.
1: Yeah, I think they will get manhandled. I mean, just gets you know tougher. I mean, what other team has had a first harder two games than the Texans? Uh, There's not one. Uh, Their strength of schedule through first two games has got to be the highest. Uh, One is a Super Bowl champion. Uh, and then the other has the reigning MVP, uh, and number one seed out of the AFC last year until obviously the Titans came through. But that being said, I mean, they could get uh, Jones, they could get smacked this week. I mean, they could get smacked around and you just wonder when in Houston, they're going to put the fire out. That is bill O'Brien. He's already wrecked their team. You know, you have DeAndre Hopkins who just had a freaking career high. Uh, I mean, there it's it's got to be this season. I mean, the funny thing about it is uh, that, that the Texans can still win the division because you have, you know, obviously right. you have the Titans competing with you, but uh, that's not saying a whole, whole, whole lot.
0: Right, exactly. Um, the Patriots taking on the Seahawks. Uh, Cam Newton with a good debut there last week. With uh, New England, the Seahawks put up a lot of points, as we mentioned, against Atlanta there. We're going to pick this game coming up later on the show. But, uh, Tom, for a Sunday night game, this one has some flair to it. Uh, I really like this matchup. We don't see the Seahawks and the Patriots play too often. I know they were in a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Uh, but you have two very different teams. I think New England is going to try to you know, ground the ball, uh, you know, Ground and pound, wear out clock, and Seattle's going to try to win it through the air and put up a lot of points offensively here. Two con- contrasting styles between these two teams.
1: Yeah, and you know, honestly, I don't, I don't think it comes down to like the Super Bowl did a year ago, or not a year ago, a few years back. Uh, I, I think maybe Seattle will run it this time if they get in the red zone. I hand it off to maybe Chris Carson uh, instead of Marshawn this time, but. Uh, I could see a lot of points in this one. I really could.
0: All right. You want to talk about another bet that you can lock in, Tom? Uh, The Raiders opener against the Saints. Uh, This one at the new Raiders stadium. The Saints are just a six-point favorite is all against the Raiders. Uh, I know it's a big night for the Raiders to have the opening of their new stadium, and they looked pretty decent last week against Carolina. But you're giving me the Saints just six points. Uh, that's easy. I like the Saints to spoil the party and have a really nice showing uh, with Drew Brees and company here. I-, I think they win this one by a couple touchdowns. Easy, Tom.
1: I think so, too. You know, home opener, in Vegas. Jones, I, we usually don't do this, and, and maybe we should start. I think it would be an interesting addition. Best uniform combos on the field this week. If Saints go the white and the golds, and you know, the Raiders put on whatever they put on. I, I think you're looking at the prettiest matchup on the field new stadium in Vegas, Saints rocking the white and golds. Right? I mean, that stadium is right by Mandalay Bay, which is an all pretty much an all gold building. Uh, the scene is set. Uh, you know, I don't care who wins this game, I would say the Saints. Uh, it's just going to be pretty to watch,
0: it will be. Uh, and uh, it'll be. Uh, Great to see on Monday Night Football, and the game's going to be a simulcast on ABC as well. So two networks for the uh, Raiders' debut, and uh, that is your rundown of the NFL slate for week number two. We're going to have more on the National Football League coming up later on in the show with our Pigskin Pick'em presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. But before we do that, we will welcome in Riley Gates from 24-7 Sports into the program coming up next here on the Jones Report. Stay with us johnny is now on the jones report this week you know him from his time at gopowercat.com now he's transitioned over to 24 7 sports as a national news desk reporter it is riley gates who's back on the program once again riley what's going on man congrats on the uh, new gig with a 24 7 on the uh, national scene uh going big time now
2: <laughs> thanks man yeah it's been uh it's been pretty fun started uh heck i mean actually right as uh sports shut down that was a it was really weird to become kind of, do i was actually like talking with people about this move at the big 12 tournament um and then i mean i kid you not i got off the phone with with the uh, the guy who I was talking about the job and and that's kind of when things started to go crazy at the big 12 tournament um and then sports everywhere stopped so it was a it was kind of a stressful start to a new job kind of not knowing like um <laughs> is there going to be absolutely anything to write about turns out there ended up being tons to write about over those first few months, and then uh, it's been a fun summer, and I'm happy the football's back now. It's kind of a little bit of sense of normalcy.
0: Yeah, uh, that was a, a wild time, because I, I was in the same boat of you thinking, you know, like, oh crap, what on earth are we going to cover? But there were so many storylines that unfolded during that stretch that were reflective of when we were waiting on sports to come back, and you know what that would look like, and the battle to get sports back. Uh, that's a time that I hope we never live through again, ever. I mean, that was just dreadful. And now we've gone from not having sports at all just a couple months ago to a weekend like we're in right now, U.S. Open, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, NFL, college football. There's almost too much sports going on right now.
2: I never thought I would uh, <laughs> enjoy so much turning on Kansas and Coastal Carolina at 9 p.m. on a Saturday night and watching every single snap <laughs> of the ball. Uh, definitely do not take any football games for granted now. <laughs> oh,
0: absolutely. And, uh, Riley, this uh, this new gig that you got going on, uh, you're covering all sorts of things, uh, in particular with uh, a college spin or focus of sorts?
2: Yeah. Um, so, like, obviously, college football is kind of the, the moneymaker, as they call it. I mean, it's... The same for the schools is, is for media companies. You know, people like college football more than anything else. And so college football is our primary focus. Um, but, it, but it really does kind of just reach out to, to wherever the big markets are. Um, or, you know, like uh, I will give you a good example that probably a lot of the listeners here are, are familiar with. Uh, you know, Les Miles being at Kansas um, and then his, his days at LSU. Obviously, a, a very big following of LSU fans, just the SEC and things like that. Paul Feinbaum this week taking a few shots at Les Miles for for that loss to Coastal Carolina. And so, you know, write those comments up about Paul Feinbaum uh, taking shots at Les Miles and then, you know, the KU fans on the network, they really, um, you know, I don't know if they like those comments, but they definitely enjoy reading what people are saying about them. And then LSU fans who may not feel the best about Les Miles, given how that tenure ended, definitely going to eat up comments like that. And so it's just kind of, you know, different little, uh, uh, ties around the country, just kind of where you can, um, spend things in with certain college markets. Uh, I got to write about Tiger Woods a few times this summer, so there I'm not know. complaining about that. It's, uh, it's a really good gig and I'm definitely enjoying
0: it. Nice. Nice. And, uh, I'm with you. I'm sure hoping for a, a tiger win this weekend. That would not uh, be bad at all. If, that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, Riley, you're also, you, you're relocated to Hutch now. I mean, this is a pretty cool gig. You get to kind of live wherever and of all places you choose Hutchinson. I don't know many people that would have done <laughs> the same.
2: Oh man. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a it's a remote job. I mean, work anywhere you want. Just be at your computer for your shift. And uh, my lease was up in Manhattan, and I thought about renewing it. Was living with uh, living with my brother, and I was like, well, it's I like Manhattan. It's fun, but I was like, I just I've been here for five years. All my friends that I met in college are gone. It's like I, let's do a change. Looked into Kansas City. Uh, I can I, I put it this way. I could afford to live in Kansas City. It's just like. Man, that's a lot of money that you're shelling out for rent and for bills and things like that. It's just like, man, I don't know. So I, I had a friend here, a lifelong friend I grew up with uh, across the street from back home, and he had a house here in Hutchinson. He teaches at, at Bueller. Uh, well, it's Bueller Elementary. Last year he's up in the high school. This year, and I just kind of was like, hey, do you? What if I moved in with you? And it was like <laughs> kind of joking. I joked to them at first, and then I was like heck let's let's give it a shot and one to two years if that's it then that's it so it's a uh, it's nice it's a little bit uh slowed down obviously for manhattan and um not not tons going on all the time like buzzing but i kind of like the the small feel of it because i come from a small town sure. in beloit and so it's just kind of a little bit of that um normalcy again i was i was upset though i thought i was going to get to watch uh hutch community college football this fall with like a tons of talent um college level talent but uh Obviously, Juco got a little bit of a a switch, so don't get
0: that. Yeah, that's a good program there at uh, Hutch Community College. Uh, So, yeah, neat neat town. Glad you're uh, enjoying yourself there and making the most of uh, your time there at Hutchinson. Got to start out. I know we're going to talk a lot about the Big 12 today, but I do want to start with the announcement that we got the news this week that the Big Ten is going to go ahead and go forward with a season, what was your immediate reaction to the Big Ten announcing this uh, eight-game slate that they're going to have beginning October 24th?
2: Um, I, I wasn't shocked. Um, I heck, I probably I don't want to like say oh I knew it, I knew it was coming this whole time, but once you know Justin Fields and and Trevor Lawrence start coming, obviously Trevor Lawrence's season wasn't canceled, but as soon as these these big name players come out and they say uh, we want to play and then president trump comes out and he's pushing for the big 10 to play it just the outside perception the the pressure from from social media from from everybody kind of in the public eye pushing for the big 10 to play i felt like was too much and then once the big 12 and and the acc kicked off and you know uh you see cases come back i mean i know there's been a few outbreaks but k state so far has had Uh, zero positive cases on its team after the uh, Arkansas state game this weekend. I haven't, honestly, I haven't been paying attention that much to what other uh, big 12 results have been. So I don't know if there's been big numbers, if there's been more zeros, I just, it was very clear to me that they could do it. Um, or at least they could try to play safely. And if it comes to a point where like the big 12 has to shut it down, then they'll go to that point. But the big 10 canceling on, on August 11th just made zero sense. And I said it at the time it, it, um, I actually loved the tweet that from uh, Brandon Marcello. He's one of our national football writers. He said, you don't take a knee in the third quarter of a football game. Why are you taking a knee in the third quarter of this this football schedule? And I thought it was like like spot on. It was way too early. Cancel it in September if you need to. It's way easier to cancel it than it is to start it back up. But I'm happy the Big Ten is going again. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they squeeze it in in such a short timetable. I mean, you know, an eight-game schedule, I think, I think I read that there's zero bye weeks in there yes. or something like that. You know, it's it's nice to have that recovery time if you have those outbreaks um, and get people back on the field. But um, give it a go, and if it works, great. And if it doesn't, then you just shut it down again. Um, but I'm happy that this these Big Ten teams get a play.
0: Absolutely. And it amazes me, Riley, these Corona bros out there that are upset that the Big Ten is coming back or that we're trying to push for the Big Ten to not play or play in the spring – And it seemed like the Big Ten, the case that they said that they were making anyway, whether they were really being honest about it or not, I don't know, but they were saying, hey, we're going to play in the spring, have a spring season. Nothing to me indicated that playing in the spring or even Thanksgiving was any safer than beginning the football season in September, whether it was the second wave of coronavirus that we're all expecting this winter, flu season, making guys play twice in a calendar year, Nothing made sense as far as moving this season to start at any other date, not to mention losing the opportunity at the college football playoff. Okay, you're, you're going to play for a Rose Bowl? I mean, what what's the end goal? What's the end game in all this here? To me, that just never made any sense to go that direction. Uh, this, I know it's only an eight-game slate and not going to be what the other conferences are doing, but this still appears to be a better option than pushing this back, uh, later to play in you know November or January or whatever that may be. What do you think?
2: I absolutely agree. Um, I think frankly, if I was a big 10 player, I, I frankly would have just been like, just cancel the season altogether. If you're not going to let us play on, on the normal fall schedule. I just, I get it. I get trying to say, Hey, we want them to play. So we're going to do it when we can. And, you know, I might be a little bit more, uh, I don't know if blunt is the correct
0: word to use here <laughs> but
2: I just it just it didn't make sense to me at from all these projections we've gotten over over I mean it sounds like everybody was like oh we need the vaccine before we can safely play college football and then we get all these uh you know projections oh there's not going to be a vaccine until November it's not going to be widely available until March or you know what whatever, whatever everybody's saying it seems to change every single week that you get on Twitter or whatever but it, it did make sense to me that we would say, Oh, well, it's just not going to be as deadly later on, or it's not going to, it's going to be any safer. And then frankly, I mean, it's just when the, I'm, I'm happy, let me be clear. I'm happy they're playing now, but what, what has changed in a month that, I mean, yeah, they, they claim rapid testing fine. If that's what you want to cite as your reason, I guess that's fine. But everybody was projecting that we would have these, these tests, everybody kind of felt good about where we would be on testing. And so I think it's, I think it's very clear to me now that um, the Big Ten is back and the Pac-12 is suddenly pushing to play once again. I mean, in a matter, I I wouldn't be shocked if by tomorrow at five PM we've got news that the Pac-12 is going to play in a game schedule. And So that just says to me it wasn't necessarily always about hey, it's safety, hey, it's a vaccine that we need. It just it became so political, man, yes. and it just it it drove everybody down. Hundred percent, and and the Pac-12 just followed the lead. It's very clear that they can't make a decision for themselves they decided literally a few hours after the big Ten to cancel uh, their season and then hours after the big Ten came back they said well maybe we can maybe we can find an eight-game schedule and so I just I'm, I'm sure you're in the same boat I'm fed up with the politics <laughs> of it man let's just let's just play some football and see what happens
0: oh my gosh uh you're absolutely right about that and uh glad that we can have something of some sorts it seems with the big Ten the structure of it. I'm glad they're playing, don't get me wrong, but to the credit of the Big 12 and the SEC and the ACC, they came in with plans of, hey, we're going to have these built-in bye weeks. Um, You know, We're going to do this where in the Big 12 and the ACC's case, they said we'll play one non-conference game. Um, It it seemed like it was very well thought out. I have concerns on the Big 10 plan, Riley, of the fact that, hey, you're at 5%, you're done. Uh, you don't have any built-in bye weeks, any time to make up games or something like that here. If a team like Ohio State, let's say that even if it's not their own fault, if somebody, one of their opponents, has to forfeit or can't play that week and Ohio State finishes the season at 7-0 and or 6-0, I mean, what's the case there to be made for a playoff at that point? I mean, I'm willing to listen if they complete the eight-game schedule and still I would give credit more so to the other three conferences if they have a 9, 10, 11-win team. Uh, I'm willing to still have Ohio State be a part of the discussion, but uh, it's going to be hard, I think, to make the case for those Big Ten teams to have a right for the playoff if they don't even finish the eight-game slate. What say you?
2: Yeah, we're going to have some really mad college football teams this year, and I don't know if it's going to be a cleansing. I don't know if it's going to be – Ohio State. I don't know if it's going to be Oklahoma. Somebody's going to be left out, and somebody's going to be mad. Look, at the Big Ten plays five, six games this year, and Ohio State goes five and zero, 6 and zero. And Justin Fields is one of the best players in the country, like we all expect him to be. They're not going to leave Ohio State out of that playoff. Uh, you know, I for as much as I just you know blamed politics on on all this football stuff you can blame tv ratings on the college football playoff they want justin fields and trevor lawrence in this i mean they're gonna do what they can to get those guys in there if, if it's a if there's a case to now you know if it was a four and two ohio state team you can you can take them out of it right. but uh I, I it's dangerous though to set a precedent saying you have to play x number of games to be eligible because clemson is out here and they're you know ready to play an 11 game schedule well, who's to say Clemson doesn't have one? Uh, you know, two games canceled, and and they set the the president way too high for Clemson to be in. Right. Then you take another good team out of it, and so it's you obviously can't set a a, a bottom line, a, a base number of wins or, or games that you have to play to be in the college football playoff. But and I'm glad I'm not making the decision because I feel like there needs to be something. There needs to be something out there because you can't have Ohio State get in by playing five, six games less than everybody else, I I don't think, um, at least that's my opinion, just because they, it's it's a body of work. It's not it's not how good are you overall, um, how good are you to the naked eye test? Right. It's how good were you on the season? What did you do? Was your body of work strong enough? And then I mean like a team like Oklahoma State, what if they finish the I mean, you know, assuming they play this weekend, I guess. What if they go for the whole 10 game schedule and they're eight and two? Not great, but they played their whole schedule. They have some of the best players in the country, and 5-0 and oh, Ohio State jumps them. It just It's going to be unfair at the end of the day, and like I said, somebody's going to be mad.
0: Yeah, I mean, the playoff is hard enough as is to determine the top four teams in a normal 12-game season plus a conference championship game. Now you add in all these factors, I'm glad I'm not the one making the decision of who those teams should be to make this playoff. And now you look in the Big 12 circumstance, Riley. You had three Big 12 teams get embarrassed last week against the Sun Sunbelts. And all of a sudden, that idea of playing non-conference games looks really idiotic because now you start to wonder how good those middle-of-the-pack and bottom Big 12 teams are. Even if Oklahoma or Oklahoma State or Texas were somehow to go undefeated here, People are going to ask, well, how good was the schedule you really played then at that point? Uh, You can't – I think that that's a major problem for this league of what went down last week against the Sun Belt that's going to affect the entire league going forward. Uh, I I would have to think, Riley, that if you're going to be a Big 12 team in the playoff, you pretty much have to go undefeated at this point. What do you think?
2: Absolutely. Um, And, you know, I think KU is a little bit – off the hook here because everybody kind of expects them obviously to struggle a little bit, just given the situation, but Iowa state and K state have to come out firing and not this weekend, but, but next weekend after that, when they play again, they absolutely have to be good. They have to flirt with winning and, or, you know, being competitive. And for K state, they're going to Oklahoma. That's crazy. Did you, like everybody just saw what's found out? It was Missouri state granted, but everybody just watched Spencer Rattler go insane in the first half so much that he didn't even play in the second half. Now Kansas State, who lost to Arkansas State, who is having issues with keeping players on the field. Um, Obviously, Josh Youngblood didn't play in that game against Arkansas State. That team's going to have to go into Norman and be competitive because if K-State loses to Arkansas State and then gets just their doors blown off against Oklahoma, it's going to start, you know, hey, how how good is K-State? Well, they're obviously a bad team, and if Iowa State's not competitive in their game, then yeah, like you said, everybody starts talking about how overrated the Big 12 is and things like that. Um, I don't, I don't overly panic based off of this last weekend. I think they were sure. bad losses. Um, I now, everybody's been pointing out Arkansas State having a ton of players out and how how impressive it was that they still beat K State without all these players. And it seems to me like people are leaving out the fact that K State had some players out. Now, like, let me be clear: I think K State loses that game regardless. I mean, they did yeah. not—they did not have a good enough game plan to beat Arkansas State. Skyler Thompson wasn't good enough, um, but they had players out too. I don't know Iowa State's situation, but I'm guessing there were some players out there. I'm not just—I'm just not freaking out because it was the first game back after months and months off. They tried to squeeze in spring football and fall football into a two-week window there of, of fall football camp for these teams. I just think the first week caught, caught everybody by surprise a little bit, and they were like, oh, wow, we're, we're playing football. This is kind of weird. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I think the Big 12 doesn't – I mean, I, it's the same Big 12 we've always had. We've had Oklahoma at the top. We've had Texas with a talented roster. Can they build upon it? And then we've had a, a third team, whether that's Oklahoma State this year, whether it's a Baylor one year. Who is competitive and and you think they might be able to compete um they might be able to to make a run at it, but they're gonna have to you know obviously a very narrow uh window or margin of error here for the for a team like that and so everybody's down on the Big 12. I'm not necessarily down on the Big 12, and I'm not up on the Big 12. This sure. is the Big 12 that I know. It's just <laughs> it's pretty normal to me.
0: <laughs> All right. Same song about the uh, 15th verse on the uh, Big exactly. 12. <laughs> Riley Gates joining us here on the uh, Jones Report this week. Uh, Riley, let's look at this week's games in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, Oklahoma State and Baylor were each supposed to play last week. Baylor's matchup is... They didn't even find out till Saturday. They're going to play Houston, uh, that game in Waco. Meanwhile, Oklahoma State taking on a Tulsa team that has had a lot of issues when it comes to their practices. They suspended practice, I believe, about every time a kid tested positive for COVID. Been very inconsistent. Spencer, Rattler, Spencer Sanders... We're going to get those two confused uh, quite a bit, I imagine. <laughs> uh, Spencer Sanders back for his second year there in Stillwater, Chuba Hubbard uh, and company. I mean, a lot of talent there. Talon Wallace, of course, at Oklahoma State. How do you think the uh, conference fares this week? You're looking at a bounce back week for the league with a uh, Baylor taking on Houston and OSU taking on Tulsa. What say you?
2: Yeah, I, I think Baylor. Um, you know, I don't. I don't really know how they'll be. Just because, obviously, you're going from two different styles of coaches. Um, Dave Aranda is going to come in and he's going to be this defensive mind. I think it'll be really interesting to see how he, um, coaches, uh, with with that defensive mindset, obviously doesn't have James Lynch anymore, but, uh, um, I think they still have talented player. I, some people are down on Baylor. Uh, and, and I, I'm not saying they're going to be the 10 and two team or excuse me, the 11 and one 11 and two team that they were last year, but I I think they're going to be competitive. I think they're going to be good and and definitely a top half team in the Big 12. I mean, you return a guy like Charlie Brewer, I think that's I think that's huge. Um so yeah, I am big on Baylor winning this weekend. I tell you what though. I I didn't have the guts to pick Oklahoma State over Oklahoma in the Big 12. For me, it's like KU basketball up until a couple of years ago, it's like you don't pick against KU in the sure. Big 12 until they lose the Big 12. Same goes for Oklahoma in football, but I tell you what it, if there's ever been a roster at Oklahoma state, that's going to knock off Oklahoma. It's this one. I mean, it's not just, yeah, we can all point to, to Tylen Wallace and, and Chuba Hubbard. No, they got this, this great offense and, and it's so great. That defense was scary last year, man. Like, and I think that they only got better. I think, uh, I think they got stronger. I know, you know, just, uh, I personally kind of know Joe Bob Clements from obviously his days at K state kind of heard heard a few things about this defense i think they're going to be scary um man i just I, I think this is a really talented oklahoma state team um i've been watching i don't know if you have i've been watching that our time documentary yeah. on espn plus uh i think they've been handling uh, th- that's the biggest thing actually i mean it seems kind of cheesy to say but i think that mike gundy has been handling covid protocols really really well like i think he's been taking it seriously. Obviously. You're only gonna see what you want to see on camera. Right. But uh I, I think he's been doing a good job of of really enforcing that. And that's what a lot of this is gonna come down to. Bedlam week rolls around and everybody on Oklahoma State's healthy and good to go. But oh, Charleston Rambo's out for Oklahoma and and then Spencer Radler doesn't have one of his weapons. How much does that impact it? So I think if Mike Gundy can continue those protocols and, and continue to be strict with things like that. You might have a Oklahoma State team make a chart just because they stayed healthy throughout the year. But, uh, yeah, I'm big on them this weekend, obviously, and, and I'm really big on them moving forward throughout the season.
0: Well, and, and uh, you know, it, it looked like – I've been watching that show every week, too – that Mike Gundy was out of whack at first, and everybody was. I mean, everybody was still – this was foreign to all of us trying to figure out but that he does have something going. He does come off as a crazy man, but then – I reminded myself, well, he is a crazy man. So uh yeah, Oklahoma State's something to watch for. And while you mentioned the Pokes, comparing them to Oklahoma as far as the top of the chain of the Big Twelve, OU lost so much from a year ago, uh, from that team that ultimately ended up making the college football playoff with CeeDee Lamb and their top two running backs in uh in Sermon and uh, uh the uh the the kid that opted out earlier this year and uh, of course, yeah. the the defense lost some guys. You know, they ended up having a uh, number one uh, draft pick in uh, uh, the, the linebacker. I mean, there there was so much that OU lost. Oklahoma State returns a lot of guys here. You could make a case. I'll, I'll certainly take Riley Lincoln Riley over Mike Gundy any day. But when when it comes to talent on the field, Oklahoma State right now looks like maybe the more talented team of the two.
2: Yeah, and I mean. I let me preface this by saying I'm absolutely 100% on the bandwagon of Spencer Rattler already. I mean, I, it's, it's insane what he can do with the football. It, just, it looks like he just flicks his wrist and it goes 60 yards. But he hasn't faced a, a legit Big 12 defense yet or, or a legit defense. I mean, I, I'm not saying, oh, look at the Big 12's defenses. They're just in, insanely good. But he just played Missouri State. And I'm guilty. I got crazy about it too, watching those stats and, and highlights roll in. I was like, wow, this kid's insane. But at the end of the day, it is Missouri State. Now I think he's gonna carry on that talent. I think he's gonna continue to be successful. But let's let's see what he does when he faces K-State's defense and and gets some more talent thrown at him. And then after four Big 12 games and that grind that's gone him, how does he handle that? You know, it's it's not a concern, I would say. It's just a question. And and until we see how it plays out. You can't absolutely, definitively say, "Oh, yes, he's gonna, he's going to dominate the Big Twelve. He's going to be the next guy." So, yeah, I, I think I think you need to give Oklahoma State a little bit of benefit of the doubt, just because they do return those pieces, they do have the veteran yeah. coach, and and I I think that they were really good last year. Um, and who knows if Tylen Wallace doesn't tear his ACL last year. Who knows what, what we're talking about at that point.
0: Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, that, that's a great point. Uh, talking to Riley Gates of uh, 24-7 Sports here on the uh, Jones Report this week. Riley, I know you follow K-State so closely and saw what happened last week and what happened to Iowa State. Do you think the Cats and Iowa State can bounce back? I know Iowa State is is used to losing early non-conference games, typically to Iowa. This one was kind of a weird flex to lose to Louisiana instead. <laughs> But, you know, with the talent that's there at Iowa State, Brock Purdy, we know, is going to be a first-round draft pick at the quarterback position. K-State's still got some good, you know, players there as well. Do you think those teams can bounce back and be competitive in the Big 12, or did they kind of really expose themselves week one? What do you think about both those teams going forward?
2: Yeah, um, I'll just, I'll do Iowa State real quick, just because it's obviously the team a little bit less familiar with, but... Look, I'm not. I'm I'm the anti or not anti. I'm the opposite K State person when it comes to Iowa State. K State fans love to jump on Iowa State and just constantly just dog on them. And oh, Matt Campbell's overrated and Brock Purdy's not a very good quarterback. I'm a hundred percent the opposite way. I love this Iowa State roster. I love the talents on it. I think I might be the biggest Brees Hall fan in the country. I I think this is a really good Iowa State team. Um, and, you know, I I think it was, yeah, it was, it was a bad loss. Don't get me wrong. I'm not even going to sit here and go, oh, well, you know, X, this happened. And if this hadn't gone this way, I, no, they they lost. They got their butts kicked. And and they were not even close to being the better team on the field. But I'm not, for for the exact same reason, you know, I've heard a lot of K-State fans and media both say this week, oh, I'm not going to freak out about one lost Arkansas State, man. It's just, it was, it was whatever. Well, why should you be freaking out? To that loss to uh, the Iowa state lost to Louisiana. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. How can you play both sides of that card? I, I think that Iowa state has tons of talent. Mm-hmm. I love Matt Campbell. I think he's a great coach. And I think the fact that they get to play TCU to open up the big 12 schedule is, is terrific for them because they can go look bad loss, take a week off for the buy, come back play a bad TCU team that doesn't have a, a, a returning quarterback under center right now. Um, obviously because Max Duggan has the, the heart condition. So I think Iowa State will be fine. I think they'll bounce back. I think they'll get a win and, and kind of get it going again. K State, I feel the exact same way. Um, in terms of getting a, you know, hey, that 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 loss was what it was. Let's let's refocus. The unfortunate part is, like I said earlier, they got to go to Oklahoma as their first Big Twelve game. And um, in a normal season, I would probably say, hey, it's good to catch Oklahoma early because maybe they're, you know, not as sharp yet, and, and maybe you can catch them by surprise. Love a.m. game. I don't like this because just all things considered, um, you know, you just don't know what type of team you're going to bring down there. Um, and, and, and is going to be a little bit different. And if K-State loses that game, which I expect them to lose, you're 0-2. And as much as you can say, Hey, we, we played Oklahoma. It's just (laughs) 0-2 is a, it's a psyche. It's a mindset. You look on paper, you see 0-2 and you're like, wow, this has gotten off to just a terrible Mm -hmm. start this season. Um, and and it's just it's just really unfortunate that you, you lost that game to Arkansas State because if you had beaten Arkansas State and then lost to Oklahoma, you could kind of spin it the other way. Hey, we beat the team we were supposed to beat. We lost to the team we were supposed to lose to. Now let's go get it. So it's it's a really unfortunate scheduling for K-State considering that loss. But, uh, you know, who knows? I think it's just got to take it by a week-by-week basis and, and just kind of, you know, hope maybe you can steal one. Maybe K-State does go down to Norman and, hey, there's – you know, limited fan. I think it's limited fans, or maybe it's no yes, fans. I'm limited sure fans. What. Okay, yeah, maybe maybe we can take advantage of that. They say you know we can we can go in there and, and catch them by surprise, and not as much excitement in the stadium. I don't know. It, it, that's if you're wanting to put a positive spin on it. Um, you know, obviously, get, you hope they can go down there, you hope they can do something, but I'm certainly not expecting it. Just like I wasn't expecting it last year, in Manhattan.
0: Yeah. Uh, what about Texas? This team uh, currently ranked number nine in the country. Nice win last week against UTEP. UTEP's not worth anything though it is Sam Ellinger's senior season a big year for Tom Herman too after a disappointing seven and five season last year what do you think of the Longhorns in uh, 2020 Riley
2: yeah I think they're uh I think they're good I think they've got the talent um uh, huge Sam Ellinger fan uh I, I like a lot of big 12 quarterbacks now that I think about it I probably should uh be a little bit less uh so so fandom for the big 12 but uh look, this is the year for Texas, man. Like it's not going to get any better than having a senior quarterback. Who's been a two-year starter, um, you know, a head coach who's finally gotten his, uh, uh you know, his culture built up in the program and, and kind of has it run in the way that he wants it run. I, I don't really see how, if you're a Texas fan, or if you if you are Texas, you can look at this season and say, Hey, like, if we're not competing for the Big 12 championship this season, we're going to have to reevaluate some things. And I think that's so stupid because Tom Herman, you know, uh, I think I think eight wins is the least he's had in the year, maybe seven his first year. And then it's been, he's undefeated in bowl games. I know that Tom Herman's been a really good coach mm-hmm. and he's done a, he's done a good job at Texas. He hasn't done a great job. He hasn't been a great coach at Texas because as we all know, Texas has different standards.
0: Right. He's, M- a, he's a whole lot ever- better than what Charlie Strong was. There's no doubt about that.
2: Right. but And, and the sad thing for him is that's not Texas's expectation for him. <laughs> was, their expectation was, hey, come in and in two years get us out of this mess and in four years have us winning a Big 12 championship. Right, wrong, or indifferent, that's what the standard at Texas is. And so I'm not necessarily saying – I'll, I'll say it two ways. I don't think Tom Herman should be fired if he doesn't win the Big 12 championship this year, assuming he wins eight or nine games um, or, you know, in in that area. They're good. I will put it this way. I think if he doesn't win the Big 12 championship, we're going to see him have a very hot seat now with the pandemic with such a weird season. He might get a little bit of leeway. I think that'll be the case for a lot of football coaches this year. But on a normal season, I think he would be fired if he doesn't win the Big 12 championship this year because Texas is very impatient. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, overall, as a team, I like them. I really do. Uh, I think Oklahoma is probably better than them. Uh, But, you know, I'll need to see a little bit more on Texas before I, I make a definitive decision. Like you said, UTEP is not a very good team. I love Dana Demmel. I hope he gets it rolling, but that was not a good UTEP team. Uh, So, I I guess it's just kind of jury's still out a little bit. Yeah, Um, We'll see how they do in their first competitive game. But I'm optimistic just because I do like the fact that they get a senior quarterback, Sam Ellinger, who I consider one of the best quarterbacks in the country.
0: Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, Riley, a couple more for you before we let you run here. Uh, You mentioned, KU, that you watched that game last week, uh, the debacle that was of that uh, smackdown that Coastal Carolina put on the Jayhawks and uh, kind of the lack of respect that we heard from Feinbaum uh, say that that uh, Miles has around the country, in particular among his uh, old friends in the SEC nowadays, they're 0-1. Do you see any opportunities for KU to get a win in the Big 12 this year, or are we talking about more than likely a, an 0-10 season for Les Miles in year two in Lawrence? What are you thinking about KU?
2: Well, um, you know, not having their schedule pulled up in front of me right this second, I don't know where these games are, um, in terms of home or way. I don't think West Virginia is going to be very good. I don't think Texas tech is going to be very good. Um, so I think that those are going to be games that you can absolutely say, Hey, you know, maybe K you could be competitive in those. Um, I guess obviously things could change. Maybe West Virginia takes off running this season and I'm completely wrong about them. I just, I don't think those teams have tons of talent. Um, I don't think TCU is a great team. Now that said, I think KU is worse than I think. I think talent wise, KU is the worst team in the conference, but I think they were the worst team in the conference last year and they had no business beating Texas tech and they had no business almost winning in Austin. And yet they, they did that. And so um, I like some players on KU. I I'll be honest with you. I not being very educated and not reading a whole lot. I kind of had a gut feeling that KU was going to be a little bit better this year. I think, probably got a little bit too on board with Thomas McVitie before I really saw him play much, I guess. I don't know, maybe I just bought into the hype. Um and then I was talking to Scott Chasen, who runs the KU side on twenty four seven, and he said, you know, hey, it's you know, the line is just in shambles right now. They got so many moving pieces on that offensive line that it's tough to get it going. I look I think KU's got talent. Um I think obviously, you know, Puka Williams is is regarded as one of the top backs around the country and I love Andrew Parchment, dude. I, I think he's I think he's one of the, the better receivers out there. Um but it's just it's really tough for me to see a situation where KU okay, gets a win mm-hmm. or, or who they beat until I can see until I can see them, you know, hey, let's uh let's decide on a quarterback. If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. That's how I've right. always felt. That's how I felt with with Daniel Sams and Jake Waters at K State how I felt with with Skylar Thompson and Alex Dell in the K-State it just doesn't make any sense there's no offense that's designed to do two quarterback system if they can get that resolved then sure I think KU might be able to to, um, maybe they they find a little bit of competitive spirit in them but I gotta tell you it's not just losing to Coastal Carolina it's just getting throttled man they just it was over it was done from the start and then in nothing that they could do could really flip it around Um, overall for KU, I'm just going to be honest with you. If this season is just a disaster, you know, if it's 0 and 10 or if it's 1 and 9, it's time to start talking about maybe just handing the program off to Brent Deerman. I mean, I think we all know that's the direction they're heading in right now. Right. Um, at least that's, that's the perception. Um, I'm obviously not in Jeff Long's ear. I don't know what he's thinking, but the perception is, Hey, let's do this Les Miles experiment for a few years. We'll hand it off to Brent Deerman when it's up and running. I think Brent Deerman's calling the shots right now. I think Les Miles is no more than just kind of the face of the program right now, and I think probably Brent Deerman's running a lot more than we think. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I honestly think K, KU would be a whole lot better off if they just, after this year, if it goes bad, just say, hey, let's, let's kind of hit the reset button again, but let's do it with a young guy, an energetic guy who's going to change up the way we do things around here.
0: Well, and and that's if they want to be able to keep Deerman around. His name was brought up for several offensive coordinator jobs last offseason, and that might have to be what it takes. Uh, You saw with OU, Bob Stoops, the only reason why he stepped down early was he knew they would lose Lincoln Riley if he didn't otherwise and was doing it in the best interest of that OU program to step aside to let Lincoln take that role. So, that's not out of the question. Uh, I don't think too many people have thought about that, but or at least said so publicly. But it does make a lot of sense. Riley, last question before we let you run. I know you said you liked Baylor, what they bring back this year with Charlie Brewer and company. That you're skeptical in West Virginia, and I know Texas Tech had a bad showing last week, and we mentioned Iowa State and uh, you know K State their losses, and TCU looks like they're going to really struggle this year. When you get beyond that first core group of OU OSU in Texas, that next middle of the pack group, who is the number four team in this league? Who do you think is going to step out and be that, that sleeper of sorts in, in the big 12 conference once you get away from the, uh, the, the lead pack of this league.
2: That is the million dollar question, right? Who is going to be the best of the average team? <laughs> um, and <laughs> I mean, and it's a lot like last year, uh, you know it was what was it last year it was k State Texas Iowa State and maybe Oklahoma State I think it was like a, a four-way tie for third place it's just that's just what this conference does they just eat each other up they they go back and forth um i I think obviously it's gonna take a week or two for us to really kind of define who is the best of the middle but right now I'm I'm gonna just stick to my gut and I'm just gonna say hey it's still Iowa State um yeah it was a terrible loss but like I said, I, I'm not going to freak out about it. I'm not going to say overrated. I'm not going to say, uh, you know, they're, they're a fraud or anything like that. They, I don't think, I never bought into the hype of them as big 12 contenders or Nash did. That was a, a bear from college game day two weeks ago says that they were a sleeping giant for the college football playoff, which just like blew me away. I didn't get that at all, even though I am a big Iowa state guy, but I, I think, Iowa State's appropriately rated I think they are the third or fourth best team in this conference and I think that they will on a regular season I think they would win eight games I think this year they'll probably win five or six which is going to be just enough probably to put them up on that that um, middle of the top of the middle of the pack there so yeah I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my gut with Iowa State and and until I'm proven wrong but uh, I don't see any reason to overreact for from those first week one games I mean for every reason that That a K-State fan would say, hey, let's not panic about Arkansas State for the same reason that people would say, don't freak out about Oklahoma going crazy on Missouri State. That's what I would tell them about Louisiana and Iowa State. So uh, if I'm proven wrong and Iowa State gets beat by TCU in two weeks, then I'll reassess myself on the Cyclones. But for now, I'm going to stick. Stick to my guns and hope that I get to tell everybody I told you so.
0: All right, Riley, we're out of time. Thanks for joining us, man. Where can people see all the uh, great work you're doing at 24 seven and I'll follow you, man?
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy all the time. I mean, honestly, just just tons of stories. We expanded the news desk to like 16 people this year, and so it's been there's a lot of stories. But uh, I would just encourage everybody to follow the general 24 seven sports Twitter page. It's at two four seven sports, um, and just everything that we produce, everything that we write, it just gets tweeted out from there, and it's always firing all day, all night, and so uh, you, you'll probably miss some things just because of the speed of it, but uh, it's all right there if you ever want to go scrolling through it.
0: Awesome. He's Riley Gates joining us here on the Jones Report this week. Riley, thanks for the time. Thanks for stopping by. We'll talk in soon. Absolutely. In Big thanks to Riley Gates for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Check out all his work on 247sports.com. Tyler Jones back here with you now. Time for this week's edition of the Pigskin Pick'em presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. And we are joined by our panel. Thomas Bridges rejoins me as well as Brian O'Connor from O'Connor Advisory Group. We know him as Coach Bo around here. And uh, we'll bring him in first. Coach, your first week of the Pick'em... Let's go over those real quick. You ended up at seven and three. Okay. A nice hot start, including going five and zero in the NFL. Nice, nice start to the season, coach.
3: Okay, sometimes, sometimes the sun shines on a dog's ass. Um, <laughs> uh, I is very lucky to go five and zero uh, on the NFL side. <laughs> and traditionally, I've been better at picking college games. But um, hey, I'll take it seven and three week week one.
0: I'll take it. And what's going on at O'Connor Advisory Group this week?
3: Hey, we are we are working on a whole lot of a whole lot of stuff. Uh, we want to chat with you. If uh, hey, we want to chat with young couples right now. We want to get with young people who are needing to make some decisions on getting started with retirement planning. So if you need to set up an IRA, you need some advice on what the hell an IRA is or how to start saving. We want to talk to you. We want to get you in.
0: Thomas bri is uh here with me as well Tom not a bad start for you last week you went six and four overall you also went five and0 oh in the NFL just couldn't transition that luck over to the college side where you went one and four uh looking for a, a good week this week what do you got to do this week differently on those college picks
1: yeah I gotta I gotta switch some stuff up on the college you know I bet Our friends at Bovada, I have bet on the college games, didn't do so. I should have been betting on the NFL games. (laughs) Uh, I'm thinking, golly, I couldn't. You know, as soon as I saw the Packers up uh, like they were, and, you know, I said last week, classic Aaron Rodgers game. uh, As soon as I saw that Packers up, I knew it was going to be a good week.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So now we uh, move on to week two. And I went five and five. I had a similar week to you guys in the sense that, I did really well in the NFL. I went four and one, but I went one and four in college. So we need a reverse course of things. T.J. Reeves, who is going to be with us throughout the season, uh, he couldn't make it on uh, this week's show, but he and I each had the same record. He went five and five as well. And uh, we got a great slate of games this week, much better than last week. Our uh, game of the week on the college football side is number seventeen Miami against number eighteen Louisville. Louisville, a two-point favorite. Houston against Baylor. That game was just scheduled last Saturday. So not a whole lot of scouting or prep time for either one of those teams as Baylor will be a seven-point favorite for their home opener. Tulsa and Oklahoma State. This game was supposed to be played a week ago, but Tulsa had some problems with COVID cases and not getting enough practices in. So Oklahoma State let them push this game off another week And uh, that game will take place in Stillwater with the Cowboys as a -a 20.5 point favorite. One of the more marquee non conference games of the 2020 season is number 14 UCF traveling to Atlanta to take on Georgia Tech. Last week, Georgia Tech pulled off an upset in the ACC with a win over Florida State. Now they'll try to transition that luck over to uh, their home opener as uh, the Golden Knights are a -a 7.5 point favorite. The uh, national champions from a couple years ago, right? (laughs) Um, How about this? Uh, The last college game we'll pick, Appalachian State, ranked 23rd in the country. They host Marshall, who put up a lot of points in their opener against Eastern Kentucky, close to 60. App State, a -a 3.5-point favorite. On the NFL side, we'll pick the Patriots and the Seahawks. The Seahawks are a 4-point favorite after a really good win last week against the Falcons. The Patriots on their end are coming off a win against the Dolphins in a stellar debut for Cam Newton. Chiefs take on the Chargers. Chiefs are an 8.5-point favorite, and they had a couple of extra days off after their Thursday night game. The Chargers just barely beat Joe Burrow and the Bengals last week. Chiefs are an 8.5-point favorite in L.A. Falcons take on the Cowboys. Each of these teams lost last week. The Cowboys in a close one that got away after some questionable decision-making by Mike McCarthy. The Falcons, uh, were just run out of town, uh, by Seattle, and uh, Dallas is a five-point favorite there in a Big D. The Vikings taking on the Colts. Vikings were in a shootout with the Packers last week. Packers ultimately came out with the win. The uh, Colts, they uh, let that one slip away against the Jags. They led for most of the game, but the Jags ultimately came up out, up on top. The Colts are a three-point favorite, and uh, the Rams and the Eagles. The Rams with a nice win last week on Sunday Night Football over the Cowboys, as we mentioned, the Eagles had a 17-0 lead against the Washington football team at halftime and blew that in the second half to lose 27-17. So there's our slate of games, and we will get started. Let's go with uh, who finished first last week. Coach Bo will let you go uh, get us started here with uh, the first game of the week, number 17 Miami taking on number 18 Louisville, with uh, Louisville's a two-point favorite.
3: Okay, I don't have much feel for this game. Um, this one, I I want to pick the U because I'm a U guy. I love the U. But I, I'm i picking Louisville. They're at home. I like Louisville in this case. I just – there's something about Miami right now. I don't know about the quarterback situation. They're offensively. Uh, not a lot of horses, and I think Louisville's worth some points. So, I'm going to take Louisville and roll and,
1: uh, lay the two.
0: All right, Tom, who are you going with? You
1: know, I didn't trying to catch a feel for this game as well, and I was kind of back and forth. Uh, I like the U myself, but I will go ahead and stick with the U. Uh, not a whole lot of points there uh, to kind of work with either way, so uh, it's almost a toss-up at this point, but I'll take uh, Miami. All
0: right, I'm going to go with Miami in this game myself, and two reasons why. Derek King, I was so impressed with at his time at Houston as their starting quarterback. Um, You know, that's half the battle in football these days is having a quarterback. Miami has their guy. And then their punter. Here's some research I did, folks. Uh, Lou Headley was the Ray guy most outstanding punter of the week last week. And I kid you not, he looks like he's going to play for the Raiders one day uh, based on this guy's look. Let's see if you guys can see it in the camera there. Doesn't that look like a future Raider? Can you guys see that? <laughs> Yeah, it does.
3: <laughs> yeah, it does. The neck tattoo and everything. Yeah. Uh, I see where you're going with that.
0: Yeah. So I'm going some
3: go longer to- hair. You know, he's a kidney more <laughs> hair.
0: <laughs> so I will go with Miami to cover as a two point underdog in our game of the week. Houston taking on Baylor. Coach, I want to start with you again on this one because I, I need some analysis from you for this. You have a week to prepare. You had no idea these teams were even playing until Saturday of last week. This is a crazy situation for both these teams to have to adapt on the fly like this.
3: Yes it is. And here's where I would be if I was coaching this game. I would be I wouldn't even be worrying about what the opponent does. I would be worried about what we can do. Um I think that's what both these teams are going to be thinking going in. They're going to be thinking okay, what do we want to accomplish? Who are we offensively and defensively? Um, You've got two really good coaches here. I like Daniel Holgerson at Houston and Dave Aranda's in his first game as Baylor's coach, former LSU uh, defensive coordinator, a guy who's always prepared. But I like Houston. I think they'll score points, and you're going to give me another touchdown with seven points. So I think it's going to come down to who executes, their offense the best, um, you're not going to be making a whole lot of adjustments against to what the other team's defense is, especially against a team where the guy is the coach in his first game as the head coach. So uh, that would be the kind of look I would have as a coach, and I think that's why I'm going to take Houston.
0: Okay. Tom, uh, we know all about Dana Holgerson. He was in the Big 12 for a long time. He's faced Baylor many times, but he hasn't faced Dave Aranda's led Baylor Bears. What do you think of this matchup?
1: You know, I, I like Coach's take there on Houston and, and what they'll be able to do. Uh, I cannot pick against Baylor the first game. I think Big 12 letdown games were all last week. Um, you know, maybe that's just my opinion. Or maybe that's my hopes, really. <laughs> I got to take Baylor here uh, and, and ride him through from last season, at least in the first game. Uh, I do think it'll be close. I'd feel a whole hell of a lot better if it was six and a half instead of seven and a half. I can tell you that much. Um, uh, Dana, you know, Dana has a long history in the big 12, a uh, long history in Stillwater as well, uh, or just enough that, uh, I, I think Baylor might be making him pull his hair out. He might need to, uh, you know, take a Xanax by the second quarter. Like he usually <laughs> does. At least that's what I'm
0: hoping Xanax <laughs> and Red Bull and all that. Um, uh, I'm going to go with, uh, Baylor to cover this one. They're the home team and they have the veteran quarterback in Charlie Brewer. I don't think Charlie Brewer is a bad quarterback by any means. And in this circumstance of short preparation and and all uh I will take the uh, guy that has uh, been through a lot over the years. He he was part of this program when they won, you know, just one or two games. Uh his first year as a starter. Uh, I think that he'll be a big part of why this Baylor team will be ready. I'll go with Baylor to cover 7. Tulsa taking on Oklahoma State. As we mentioned earlier, this game was supposed to be played last week. The Cowboys are a 20-and-a-half point favorite. Tom, we'll start with you this time. You'll be at this game. What do you think about the Polk's chances uh, against Zach Smith and the uh, Tulsa Golden Hurricane?
1: You know, I hope they uh, get a lot better, you know, get it done this year compared to last year. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a thriller, I guess you could say. Unfortunately for my team, it was a thriller up until halftime. I think they do a whole (laughs) lot better this way around, and I think COVID has to play a decent part in that. Uh, The reason the game was, you know, scheduled another week out, Tulsa didn't have a whole lot of practices in. Uh, You know, we've seen teams uh, in in week one, essentially, that that didn't have a whole lot of practices, and it didn't fare too well. Uh, OSU has had practice. They have Spencer Sanders returning, Chuba Hubbard. And obviously, Tylen Wallace, one of the only teams I can think of that has uh, a Doak Walker award potential and as well as Blinnikov award potential on the same team in a long time. Um, so I think they roll. I hope they roll. Um, go Pokes.
0: Yeah, I'm with you, Tom. I like Oklahoma State here as well. Just too much offense. They've had more practices. Uh, this is the home loan guarantee uh put the mortgage payment on this one I think Oklahoma State blows Tulsa out of the water here and takes care of business coach what are you thinking about this uh, matchup on uh, in uh down in down in Stillwater on Saturday
3: I'm with you on this one too I like Oklahoma State I think that exactly what you guys are saying there have been practicing you know the um, uh, coach down there is going to uh, make sure they get all the practice in. COVID or no COVID or anything else, you know, he's probably not going to believe COVID's real anyway. Uh, <laughs> but he's got him out there playing. Uh, oh, a cheap shot. Hey, well, you know. Um, no, I, I think that you got to look at games like this. You got to look at uh, early in the season, you know, who has got what they, who is, who knows who they want to be. And I think that's a big deal. Um, I also was, looking, there was some looking on Tulsa. They've lost a lot of players from last year. And so I don't think they're going to score as many points. 20-and-a-half is a lot to give up, but I'm going to go ahead and do it.
0: All right, uh, let's uh, wrap up these college games here real quick. Number 14, UCF taking on Georgia Tech. UCF a seven and a half point favorite. Tom, what are you thinking about Josh Heupel's squad heading to Atlanta to take on this uh, Georgia Tech team? What say you?
1: Jones, I like what Georgia Tech was able to do against Florida State. You know, that didn't go so hot for me last week on the pick-em. Uh, hesitant to pick against them again, uh, but, you know, we haven't been able to see UCF. Um, they have been a lot better program, obviously. You know, national champions, like you said <laughs> a couple minutes ago. Um, I don't know if they can do – I don't know if Georgia Tech can pull one again. FSU, the thing about FSU, and I should have known this, uh, they're a lot like Texas. They're like the Texas of the ACC. Uh, they, everyone always thinks they're back, you know, to the old days and it's just not so yet, uh, not so yet. Uh, but I will, I will pick against Georgia tech again and I will pick UCF.
0: Okay. Coach, uh, coach ball. What are you thinking here?
1: All right. Georgia
3: tech screwed me last week. Plain and simple. I picked Florida state, but that wasn't because Georgia tech was good. It was because Florida state is bad. Thomas was right. He was he was perfectly spot on. They were absolutely awful. Now, having said that, Georgia Tech wins the game last week. They're not doing it to UCF. Um, I like UCF. I like Joshua a lot. Um, I got to see them in person a couple years ago, and I like what he's doing there. So I'm taking UCF and uh, laying the points.
0: All right, I'll take UCF as well. I actually, as impressive of a win that was from Georgia Tech – Last week, I do not think Georgia Tech is a good football team. I think UCF is a very good team. Uh, I'll go with a UCF to uh, take care of business uh, in this one. And uh, UCF, they need every one of these non-conference opportunities they can get. They'll uh, win this one and cover at seven and a half. Last college game, number twenty-three, App State taking on Marshall. Tom, you and I were we were trying to figure out games to pick earlier in the week, and this one is a sneaky good matchup with App State favored at a three-and-a-half.
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty sneaky as well, and and I was hesitant to pick this game. Uh, it's one of the last games I kind of decided on and eventually went ahead and went with App State. Uh, Marshall did blow out Eastern Kentucky 59-0. to West Virginia also blew the doors off of Eastern Kentucky. I don't know how much you can say that is a uh, – a character-defining win of your football team, uh, even if you're Marshall. Uh, I mean, still props. You beat the teams you need to. Iowa State failed to do that, <laughs> uh, and so did KU, and uh, so did K-State. So, uh, you, you know, maybe we would put uh, maybe we put in App State in the Big Twelve after this. <laughs> uh, but I, I have them winning this game.
0: I do too. Uh, one of the best decisions and I think. Covering. Yeah. Okay. One of the best decisions I think the Sun Belt Conference made a couple of years ago was bringing in App State because they have been terrific. I know Eli uh, Drinkwitz is now at Mizzou, but that's a program. They've been consistent. Uh, I like App State to cover three and a half. Uh, Coach o- Coach bowl what are you thinking here?
3: Uh, you guys can add App State to the Big Twelve if you want, but you're driving a loser. <laughs> <laughs> um I'm taking Marshall and I'll tell you why. Um I looked this up. This is the game I flip-flopped on a couple of times. So uh all fairness. Um App State wants to run the ball. This is two contradicting styles. App State wants to run the ball, run the clock out. Marshall can score fast and in bunches, which means they're gonna still be in the game no matter what. So give me Marshall, a couple extra points. I'll take that.
0: Okay. I like it. So there you go. Those are our college picks. Let's move on to the NFL, and we'll start with the uh, Patriots and the Seahawks. The Seahawks, a four-point favorite uh, going up against this uh, New England Patriots team. Uh, Bo, we'll start with you. Who do you like uh, in this matchup between uh, Cam and Russell Wilson?
3: Okay, so this one was the toughest one for me on the entire slate. Um, Patriots, four-point dogs, and Seattle. Now, the 12th man really won't be a thing. I won't think because it won't be as loud. Um, they'll pipe in music when they can do that, but they won't be piping in as much. I kind of like what the Patriots are doing right now. I like what I saw with Cam Newton. I've got to go with, I Belichick's gonna seems to always figure out a way, even though he doesn't have Tom Brady, but I think he might've actually upgraded his quarterback right now after seeing what I saw the last couple of weeks. And, uh, I'm going to take the Patriots plus the four, uh, but I am torn on this game. I think it's going to be close, um, but I could see it going either way.
0: Tom, what are you thinking here?
1: You know, I like what you had to say earlier about the Seahawks coming off that big road win in Atlanta, coming home for the first time, NFC West, toughest division. Uh, And, you know, I like the Patriots too. I was really happy to see Cam get that win even if it was against the Dolphins, uh, <laughs> even if he's on the Patriots now, you know what I feel about the Patriots. Not as much as Dallas, but um, at the same time, I don't think Belichick can come in here first game into Seattle, not that they play there all the time, but into Seattle, fans or no fans, uh, and, and beat Pete Carroll and crew. I meant to say this earlier. Isn't Dana Holgerson just kind of like a methed-out Pete Carroll?
0: <laughs> you know, I've never thought I've about seen. it that way, but that yeah. makes sense.
3: Dana Hall looks like a, he looks like a he looks like a before picture for a, a hair
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, that's pretty much. Yeah, that's that's about right. I mean, they're you know, Dana doesn't chew as much gum, but Pete's jaw is going ninety to nothing. You know, for sixty minutes. <laughs>
0: All right, so you like the Seahawks. Uh, I'll agree with you, Tom. I'll go with the Seahawks here. Uh, I think they got too much for New England to deal with. New England's got a lot of holes. Nice win last week, but uh, I'm going to ride the uh, Seahawks train until it uh, proves me otherwise. So I'll go Seattle at four. Chiefs taking out the Chargers. I'm surprised, guys, this line is actually only eight and a half. Uh, I think the Chiefs will take care of business just fine against L.A. Last week they did it with running the football with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and the short passing game with Patrick Mahomes. They're still very capable of throwing it around the yard. The defense looked great last week. Nothing scares me at all about Tyrod Taylor or Tyrod Taylor or uh, Taylor Taylor. I don't care. Whatever you want to call him, I mean, he's going to have a bad day. Um, I'll go with the Chiefs to cover 8.5. I have no issues, no concerns whatsoever with the Chiefs covering that one. Uh, Tom, what are you thinking here?
1: Yeah, I don't think uh the Chargers can keep up even if their defense is pretty decent. And for the Chargers, uh you know, I don't think they're going to be able to slow down the Chiefs enough and Tyrod Taylor's not going to be able to, he's he's not going to be able to catch up.
0: Coach, what are you thinking?
3: Um okay, so week one I watched as many games as I could and this kind of hurts me to say this fellas, but the Chiefs are by far the best team in the league. Um, it's not even close right now. The Ravens are probably the second best team, but uh, and the Ravens are my preseason Super Bowl pick, but I'm wavering now. Um, I was so impressed with the Chiefs on Thursday night. I don't see any way, like you said, Tyler. I I'm surprised this is eight and a half. I'm surprised this is at fourteen. I mean, this is surprising. I will lay the points, Chiefs. It's going to be hard for me to pick against the Chiefs for a while. <laughs>
0: I get that completely. Uh so we all like the Chiefs to cover eight and a half. Falcons taking out the Cowboys, each team looking for their first win of twenty twenty. Cowboys a five point favorite. Coach, we'll start with you this time. What are you thinking here?
3: Okay, what's our what's our rules on cursing here?
0: Uh say whatever you want. Because this is Go for this it. Is yeah. the official <laughs> commodo
3: says this is there's no two teams that I hate more than the Atlanta Falcons. And the Dallas Cowboys. So this is for both these teams, okay? <laughs> um, but I they're really there are literally no two teams in the NFL I hate more than these two. Um, I'm gonna go with the Cowboys. This hurts me to say they pick, ever pick the Cowboys, but the Falcons are awful. They're awful because Matt Ryan is their quarterback. That guy's had one good year in his entire career. He's the worst quarterback in his division. Fuck him, f- everything about that team, and they're going to get their asses kicked this week. It's too bad they have so much talent outside their receivers because they're great, talented receivers. They may have the best receiver core in the NFL, but they got a guy that can't pull him the football because he's a time on his back. So
1: I'm picking the
0: Cowboys. Uh, Tom, are you convinced to uh, take the Cowboys after that?
1: Hey, I was already convinced, but he's got me convinced a little bit more. I you know, I think <laughs> I think this is the game. I think Cowboys bounce back and you know, it pains coach to say who wins in this game. It pains me to predict that I think CeeDee Lamb's gonna have a breakout game. It pains my whole soul. Uh for one he's a he's a, a O U gooner. Uh, two, he plays on the team that I hate the most. I mean, absolutely. You know, when Des Bryant played for the Cowboys, I rooted for him. I couldn't root for anybody else unless they played for OSU, uh, you know, Ori Lemon. And and I rooted – I was so sad to see Blake Jarwin go down. I really was. I think he was slated to have a breakout year. I do think Cowboys bounce back. I think CeeDee Lamb has a great game. Uh, and I think they stick it to the Falcons. And I think there's potential that Quinn could be let go after this game.
3: That's your game, too. I'll I'll add two more things real quick. Let me get two more things in there. One, I totally agree. I think the Cowboys are actually going to be better than everybody thinks. They're going to win the East, which is kind of like being the tallest little person. But they're going to win the East. (laughs) Um, The other thing is, come about week seven or week eight, it's going to be talking Atlanta about time to tank so they can get Trevor Lawrence. That's going to happen. That's going to be real. How bad they're going to be.
0: Uh, I'm going with the Cowboys here. I think that Mike McCarthy got in his own way last week. That won't happen two weeks in a row. Five points. Can the Cowboys win by a touchdown? Yeah, they'll be fine. Um, I'm with you. I think Zeke and CD and company, this offense is going to go off and have a field day. Uh, I like the Cowboys to cover five. Uh, a couple more real quick. Vikings taking on the Colts. Indy is a three-point favorite in this game. Tom, how on earth is Indy the favorites here? The, the Vikings, to me, I'm looking at this, I, I don't see how the Vikings should be the underdog. I, I like them to, to cover three and probably win by three or more. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's
1: a couple locks that I had this week, um, and we talked about it when the lines came out. I said, there's no way that the Vikings are the dogs here. Oh, there's no way, and I immediately went not put money down on it. I was like, well, they're going to change that line. They haven't yet. Indy uh, lost to Gardner Minshew. <laughs> what? You're going to have that much faith still in Phillip Rivers? No. Uh, this, If I had to pick an NFL game, this is – this. I mean, you can't really say the Chiefs are a lock. You can, but that's cheating. Um, <laughs> and so without putting a lock on the Chiefs, this is my lock game of the week. Uh, as far as NFL goes.
0: Okay. Uh, Coach Bo, what are you thinking about the Vikings and the Colts with the uh, Colts as a three-point favorite?
3: I'm in total agreement. The actual three words I wrote down here, wrong team favorite. Uh, I like the Vikings. The Vikings are a better team. And then really, let's get to the end of the game. I mean, just let's say the Vikings are ahead. Do you trust Philip Rivers? I mean. The guy can't come make a comeback. They better be up two touchdowns late in the game. I mean, come on, this guy, you can always count on Phillip Rivers to throw a pick in the fourth quarter and blame it on somebody else. That's what's going to happen in this game. The Vikings are going to beat them. Can we just skip the Monday for that part already? Just go ahead and do it. The Vikings are going to beat them. This would be my lock as well.
0: Yeah, I like the Vikings here, too. It covers a three-point favorite, and even if they don't win – does anybody see the Colts winning by three or more on this? No, absolutely not. Uh, I'll take the Vikings here. Kirk Cousins and company have a nice outing. Last one for you: Rams taking on the Eagles. One
3: last thing on that. Go ahead. Um, let me get back. One last thing on that: the 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 Colts signing. <clears throat> pardon me. The Colts signing Philip Rivers was a huge mistake. Um, I still I have Philip Rivers on the same plateau that Matt Ryan's on. Um, they can both go to hell for all I care. Um, <laughs> I would have kept, I would have played Jacoby Brissett. Honestly, I just kept Jacoby percent and not got Philip Rivers and spent that much money on my salary cap. Uh, horrible job. He's not a great quarterback. I don't like him at all.
0: Okay. More. Tell us, tell us <laughs> how you really feel. Last one for you. The Rams taking on the Eagles. The Eagles are a one point favorite. Tom, we'll start with you and your uh, Rams here. And. I will. I'll say this, Tom. I want to pick the Rams, uh, but I don't see how the Rams can get away with close games back to back weeks. I think if you were going to win against the Cowboys, you lose against the Eagles. I see it being one or the other. And the Eagles should have won last week. No excuse about it being up seventeen to nothing. I expect them to bounce back at home this week. Cross country trip for the Rams. Um, as much as I like this Rams team, I got to go with the Eagles at home. What are you thinking about your Rams taking on Philly, uh, with Philly favored by one?
1: Well, let me see if I can convince you otherwise, because Eagles allowed eight sacks (laughs) to the Redskins, chase young, be damned eight sacks. Uh, maybe the, one of the best guards in the league, uh, Brandon, uh, what's his name? Brandon Brown is out for the season. Their line is depleted. Their line is literally going to get shit on this week, and they know it. They know it. Uh, they have you know multiple receivers injured. Uh, we're not even sure 100% of Alshon Jeffries ago even at this point. They have two pretty good tight ends. I believe Zach Ertz is hurt though. Uh, you know that Jalen Rager underperformed. Uh, you know he had one, I think one solid grab for like 53. Uh, but, you know, at this point, you think Jalen Rager going to outplay Jalen Ramsey? No. No, it's not happening. Uh, their defense, not bad, but their line is going to get shit on. Carson Wentz is going to have a long day. You know he's what? Gonna have
0: a, he's going to have a real long day. Yeah. You convinced me. I'll go ahead and flip to the Rams. I'll go ahead and make that decision to flip I mean, to the, the Rams. I mean, the
1: line is bad. The Redskins, Jones. Sorry, not the Redskins, the Washington football team, <laughs> pardon me. That's how that's how uh, you know, ridiculous this is that a team without a name got eight sacks <laughs> against the Eagles. Eight. Eight sacks. <laughs> and the Washington Rams got is in first place in
0: that division. And the Rams got the best defensive lineman in the league. Um, real quick, coach, we got a little bit of time left. Rams or Eagles, what are you thinking?
3: All right, the uh, wrong team favorite again applies here. Uh, the Rams are going to win this game. Um, they're going to show everybody exactly what I said last week. The Rams are going to win the West. And it's because they're going to pick on the teams from the East when they beat them. They're going to beat every team in the East this season. They're not going to lose any of those four games. Uh, they already beat the Cowboys, which is the one tough game out of those four. Uh, they're going to beat up the Eagles this week. Aaron Donald is going to be all over Carson Wentz. It's going to look like a really bad prison scene from Shawshank Redemption. Oh, Uh, no. (laughs) It's going to be awful. Aaron Aaron Donald is the best football player in the NFL, and he is going to murder this offensive line. This offensive line is bad. Uh, There's just no way around it. They're not injured. They're not hurt. They're just bad. And then let's be honest, the Eagles. The Eagles, you know, did their little thing a couple of years ago. They won the Super Bowl with a couple of Mickey Mouse plays at the end of the game. <laughs> What's their record set? What have they done set? It's not good. I mean, really, they couple of Mickey It is. A couple of Mickey Mouse plays in the Super Bowl. God bless them, they won the Super Bowl. That's great. Great for them, great for their fans. But since then, they've done nothing, and they've gotten worse. Their roster's gotten worse. Their team's gotten worse. They're having to play all these guys. I'm, I'm out.
0: All right, uh, before we go, here's TJ's picks real quick. He's going with Louisville, Baylor, OSU, Georgia Tech, App State, Seahawks, Chiefs, Cowboys, Vikings, Eagles. It's a little bit different from Mr. Reeves. Guys, thanks for uh, joining us as always, and uh, best of luck this week as uh, week two of the Pick'Em rolls on, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. Thanks for joining us, guys. That is the O'Connor Advisory Group, Pigskin Pick'em. Check them out on Facebook. Tell them that Tyler Jones sent you, and you'll be glad you did. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges, back here with you now, and we'll get to our Tom Fullery story of the week coming up before the end of the show. But before we get to that, Tom, let's uh, talk about the NBA. The NBA playoffs continued on uh, Tuesday night as uh, we saw the Nuggets come back from down 3-1 again to beat the LA Clippers and the Clippers are sent home packing. Jokic was just unbelievable. 16 points, 22 rebounds, 13 assists in the win and the Clippers who many said they were the team to beat in the NBA this year, watch out. You know, these guys are the real deal. You know, we we heard play, Paul George calling himself playoff P again and all that nonsense and here was Kawhi Leonard coming off a championship there with the Raptors and they just fell apart I can't imagine Doc Rivers is going to be staying with the Clippers much longer here a lot of the responsibility falls on him too and there's not a single coach in the history of the NBA that has had more teams fall apart from down 3-1 or 3-2 than Doc Rivers Um, if you want to look at people to blame this is a collective effort Paul George didn't step up Kawhi played terrible down the stretch. Doc Rivers did a bad job coaching this team. Uh, the Clippers, they were very on brand for what they've been historically for this collapse that they had there against the Nuggets. But at the flip side, you got to give the Nuggets credit. These guys didn't give up. Jamal Murray played out of his mind. Um, you know, the, the talent that the Nuggets have just was unbelievable. And then I hear Doc Rivers say that, you know, uh, we didn't have much time due to the you know pandemic and in the bubble and all that to get ready for all this. The Nuggets were the last ones to show up of anybody. They had a COVID case that they had to attend to and handle with, and yet they still found a way to win. I don't want to hear the excuses from the Clippers. The Clippers are a joke, and uh, kudos to the Nuggets for getting this one done. It goes both ways. You have to fault the Clippers for falling apart, but credit where credit's due for the Nuggets for pulling this one off, Tom.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been absolutely insane to watch the Nuggets and you know what? I don't know, I, maybe I'm I'm going to eat some quick crow real quick and I'm still not convinced. I'm not. But I'm going to eat some crow on Mike Malone. I'll eat the crow. That's fine. I'll gladly eat it to watch his team beat Kawhi and beat the rest of those little shit people that play for the Clippers. Harold is a punk ass. Patrick Beverly, a punk ass. Uh, Paul George is a wannabe punk ass. And and Kawhi is just the he is the uh Emperor Zerg from Toy Story and Jokic and Jamal Murray literally just played Woody and Buzz Lightyear uh in this series and came back. Uh, and, and one, and it was glorious. Uh, you know, I fell asleep. I missed it last night. i if I'm going to be honest, but I did wake up to go to work this morning to several glorious tweets from a drunk CJ McCollum off of his own wine and some very awesome tweets from Damian Lillard. Uh, no, nothing back from Patrick Beverly yet. And uh, that's the one I'm really looking at. Jones, you mentioned Doc Rivers. The Clippers have not made the conference finals. All those years, all those players, the Clippers have not. They literally, I don't know, four days ago just said, you know what, we're not going to play in the Staples Center anymore. Uh, We got all these cool players, and we're fixing to play the Lakers in the battle for L.A. And you know what, we're bombers like, yeah, you know, I think we need a new arena slash stadium in Inglewood. If the Rams got one, we can get one. Uh, you know, maybe they'll play in like, a a 5% of what is a massive arena in SoFi stadium. Uh, because at this point, after this performance, they don't deserve a new stadium. Uh, doc rivers, uh, you know what? Some people hate him. Some people love him. I don't either hate or love him. I just can't get the job done at this point. He's, he's like a more glorified Mike D'Antoni, uh, you know. And I, I mean, what do you do? You just threw away your whole future uh, for all these guys and and nothing comes out of it. Maybe the biggest choke is in in terms of what we thought was going to happen, uh, because you and I are both guilty of it. We completely figured the Clippers uh, and I think everybody else did. And that's why this comes as big of a shock. Jones, I have one question for you, though, and all of this okay, and all this. Tom Fluery, does Lou Williams where does the first place he goes after he gets out of the bubble?
0: Oh, he he's got to go get his chicken wings. He's already there. You
1: know he's going to Magic City, baby. You know <laughs> he's got to. I bet he's there right now,
0: man. You you see that you know this team tried to do the load management thing, but the the characters on this team from Lou Williams to Pat Bev to Montrezl Harold, you know. Montrez. Uh, I mean, all these guys. I think it was just too much. I think the Clippers are going to have to make some major changes. You know, changes. I know Morris.
1: I know Morris is from KU, and I know, you know, the Morris twins. But Mo- you can Morris throw him into. Yes. I,
0: I know yeah, that I mean, KU fans are going to like mean, me saying that. He's but- a villain now. KU fans are going to like me saying that, but no, Morris is a punk. The the Morris brothers have been horrible representatives for the University of Kansas. I mean, just plain and simple. Uh, You know, it's embarrassing that they're even affiliated with the university, um, in all honesty. Um, Um, Yeah, these are punks. And that's what these Clippers are. They're just a bunch of punks, this team is. And there was no chemistry there, and it didn't fit. And Kawhi didn't lead those guys. Through all this, Doc Rivers, most overrated coach in the league. He and Mike Dantona he's got to go. So I'll say this though: if they have some self-realization, Tom, if they can realize that hey, we have problems that need to be fixed, and that the uh, powers that be can move on from some of the punks that they have, and and uh, you know change that culture a bit, and find a you know a real head coach. You still have Kawhi, and you still have Paul George. You can be a championship team. You could be what happened to the Lakers last year where they missed the playoffs and now they're in the conference finals. Or be like you know University of Virginia a couple years ago, eliminated in the first round of the NCAA tournament. The next year they win the NCAA tournament. I'm not writing off the Clippers' future by any means uh, based on one playoff series loss, but they do have to – have a moment of realization that there's got to be some changes there. I mean, the Lakers did that with Luke Walton. They said, you know, hey, Luke's not our guy. we got to go get, you know, Frank Vogel or somebody else uh, that's going to you know, be the, the right fit here. I, I think that the Clippers have a future, but there's going to have to be some reconnecting uh, to get back on track for this franchise.
1: Jones, I think so, too. Uh, you know, and, and the Clippers – it's it's almost like they're you know a more successful Browns. They just never can get it done, never can get to where they need to be. They're always you know in the shadow, it seems. Uh, I mean, I this team and, and Kyle Kuzma touched on it today. He, he said, you know, uh, what do you think about the Clippers? And you know, he pretty much to sum it up, he he said, well, uh, to put it in Thomas, to put Kyle Kuzma's words in Thomas Bridges' words. Uh, What he pretty much said is they were too cocky. They were looking ahead at us, not focused on one game at a time or not finished on closing up the series. And that's why they're in the position that they're in right now. And I couldn't have summed it up any better uh, than what Kyle Kuzma had to say uh, because they did get cocky. Like you said, they're just a bunch of arrogant, ego-driven type players. Uh, You know, they they come in all hyped up, uh, you know, and – talking all this stuff to Damian Lillard and the Blazers, and the Blazers get eliminated. And so they're thinking, ha-ha, well, we'll play the bad guy, we'll play the villain, and you got eliminated, and we're fixing to go to the Battle of L.A. And then the Joker and Jamal Murray had something to say. The second coming of Larry Bird uh, did them in. Uh, And I couldn't have been happier. Uh, You know, Denver, I wouldn't call it a super small market, but it's not L.A. And to see that happen... Uh, just overwhelmed my heart with joy this morning.
0: Yeah, uh, Jokic, uh, he played well uh, for a bitch-ass white boy, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I know you, that's what he said about Luca. You but... know the Mavs, Luca. But still, yeah, I'm sure they had some. I'm sure they had something for Jokic too, secretly. Real quick, maybe not, and maybe not, maybe. Not. maybe
0: more embarrassing. Go ahead. Clippers are getting eliminated or the Bucks getting eliminated in the second round?
1: Uh, you know what? I think it has to be the Clippers here. Uh, sure, we talked about the Bucks, but uh, if it would have been Bucks Clippers, they would have favored the Clippers a hundred percent. I mean, Bucks are still a small small market team that, even though they lost, weren't as respected as the Clippers. You have Kawhi Finals MVP that's been there, uh, playoff playoff Payne, playoff George Paul freaking George has been there Doc Rivers uh, you know storied I mean granted a little overrated or maybe more so than that still a stored coach as far as the league goes and then you have Mike Budenholzer that just wanted to get home to his family I mean if you look at it the Clippers were way more entertaining to the news so for them losing uh, way bigger I mean just the Twitter response to all the shit talking they did uh, the Bucks just a little disappointing, really. They were more of kind of like a, God, this is what it's come to. And, and for the Clippers to lose, if you're not a Clippers fan, everyone was like, ha, ah, go home. Like, <laughs> shut up. There's even <laughs> funny memes about Kawhi that says, you know what? Kawhi got what he wanted. He just wanted to go home to L.A., and now he's headed back. <laughs> Unless he's taken one of Damian Lillard's villas in Cancun. Um, I hope we get a Damian Lillard versus Paul George just fight to the death. Uh, oh. not necessarily death, but I would love to see them square off in Cancun. We'd be like the thriller in Manila.
0: We need, uh, uh,
1: I don't, you know, I don't know what you would call. I don't know what you'd call Cancun. There's a lot of C words I could use, but <laughs> I won't.
0: We need a, a Clippers Blazers Christmas day matchup. That's what we need. Uh, coming up. In oh, December.
1: God. I mean, every holiday, I think we need a <laughs> Halloween matchup. I think there's... Play them, even not in the season oh it's labor day clippers blazers any any day fourth of july clippers blazers christmas boxing day black friday <laughs> national tequila day whatever there's i don't care find an excuse to let these two play and, and i want to see malice in the palace baby i want to see it happen again because i know next season it's it's especially with like Montres harrell and marcus you know and morris uh if you had to take – you know, if the Clippers are going to put their two guys, their two, you know, mon stars essentially against two people from the Blazers, you would you would imagine they probably would take Montrez Harrell. And let's see. You could do a trio. Here's a little fun game we'll throw in here. Montrez Harrell, Patrick Beverly, and Marcus Morris. And then you get to pick three Blazers. Mine would be probably Nurkic. Um I would probably say Damian Lillard just for what it is, and CJ, and then I mean throw in. You think CJ?
0: Oh, just for effect. Who's
1: the other? Who's the other big man? Yeah, that's true. Who's the other big man for Portland? Oh, Hassan Whiteside. Duh. <laughs> I mean, you if you wanted some size, but I don't know if he'll be a, a blazer at the end of the season or you know next. Time we roll the ball around again, oh, and then uh, I would love to see it.
0: You mentioned that you would have like a Malice in the Palace type thing. You already got the the uh, the riots going on in Portland anyway, so I think you have some people that probably volunteer to uh, start some fights and such. and wouldn't be hard to find. Um,
1: Terry Stotts. Terry Stotts versus Frank Vogel. Who you got?
0: Uh, I think you know Terry's a pretty tall guy. I got to go Terry.
1: I would go Terry as well. I mean, Frank Vogel, ah, you know, he just seems like a ah, – he's probably not a bad – he's not a bad coach. Uh, not a bad coach, but it's, you know, he's working with what he's got. He just – there's never been a coach that, of a LeBron team that I've been like – he's – I mean, Frank Vogel, Tyronn Lue, uh freaking uh, – but why are we uh, bringing it, in Mike Brown?
0: Why are we bringing in Frank Vogel um, versus Terry Stotts, though?
1: Why not? Well, you know, battle Lakers of Lakers uh, and Blazers. I guess it wouldn't be. It would be Doc Rivers versus Terry. Doc Rivers versus Terry Stotts. <laughs> I would. I don't know who I would take in there. I would probably have to take Doc, maybe. <laughs> but I'm just saying another coach from LA that you know is 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 there because maybe that's the only coach in uh, LA we get at the end of the season because at this rate I, I does doc get fired no no is it embarrassing yes the clippers are way more embarrassing and way more glorious than the bucks could ever be i'm sure the bucks jones are so happy the clippers lost it takes the it takes the the spotlight right off them i'm sure immediately.
0: This actually hurts Sam Cassell's chances of getting a job. He was a prime coaching candidate for a couple jobs. Now this certainly can't help him uh, as far as that goes. Real quick, we mentioned credit to the Nuggets for pulling off this series and getting that win to come back like they did. How do you like their chances against the Lakers? Do you think that they could uh, win that series? I think that we probably shouldn't even start the series until the Nuggets are down 3-1, right?
1: Right, that's when it gets interesting, and you know, at this point, I like the Jazz. I had liked the Jazz to win the series at three one when they were up three one. I'd like the Nuggets at the beginning of that series, but obviously, we could go back. We liked the Clippers. We like. I mean, when when that close of the. I mean, think of how close that Jazz uh, Nuggets game was. Game seven came down to the wire. Torrey Craig almost hit uh, the freaking game winner. Uh, and we couldn't even be talking about this right now because the Jazz probably wouldn't have got that done. Uh, Rudy Gobert is no Nikola Jokic. They're, I mean, this is what it is. Not no slide on Rudy Gobert, uh, even though he started this whole thing potentially. But uh, we wouldn't even be in the bubble if it wasn't for Rudy. So hats off to him. Um, but and and so long, uh, au revoir. But <laughs> he, he's in a little French there. If you didn't get that. <laughs> Um, but you know, eh, we wouldn't even be here. We I didn't even give the Nuggets a chance, and then I feel bad about that uh, because the Nuggets, uh, you know, it's I mean, shame on them for you know letting me think that <laughs> the Nuggets or the Clippers were going to just put a beat down. I was thinking at three one, it was going to be five one,
0: yeah,
1: or or not five one four one in five games. I mean, I I mean I don't even want to. I'm not even going to say anything about Lakers, Nuggets. I I will say one thing. I hope the Nuggets win.
0: Yes, absolutely. That's it. Um, And I think they can. They've uh, Based on the way that they've played here, that's a good team. They can figure it out. Um, I like – I'll go ahead and go on record, Tom. I'll take the Lakers, but I'll say it goes seven games. Uh, I think we're going to have a really good series. I like the Lakers slightly, but not by a whole lot. Uh, how about that Heat-Celtics series? Heat already up 1-0. You talk about surprises. Uh, nobody had the Heat getting to the conference finals, let alone past the first round even. And they dominate the uh, Bucks, and now they're already off to a 1-0 start to the Celtics. And, uh, I mean, this team just playing great team basketball. Goes to overtime, and uh, Dragic ended up having a great game. He had 29 points in a game number one. And, uh, I mean, just the way that these guys have been playing team basketball, this has been Spolster's best coaching job, I think. Um, You know, Crowder was good the other night. So was Jimmy Butler uh, and company here. I mean, just a well-rounded team the Heat have. Tom, who do you ultimately like to come out of the East, uh, how this series will play out? Do you think the Heat keep the momentum rolling?
1: I like the Heat's young guys a lot. You know, I would – I would almost buy a Tyler Hero jersey. Uh, you know, the way he's been playing has been unreal. Jimmy Butler's led this team uh, to new heights. And, and in a way, you, you used to I used to think that, you know, Jimmy Butler was kind of going to go team to team, just disruption wherever he went, because that's what it kind of seemed like. Um, but he's found his little niche. He's found his home, it seems like. I still like the Celtics. The Celtics should have won game one. Uh I mean with 6 minutes uh, to go in the fourth they had a, a decent lead and they could have kept it. That game was a thriller. It took uh bam uh, sorry I'm farting on his name. Uh bam Ade Adebayo. Um to Adebayo there we go. Um to block Tatum at the rim which uh Magic Johnson. Thanks Magic. Uh, called the best defensive play he's ever seen in the playoffs. Maybe a little prisoner of the moment, uh, Maybe. but it was a great block and it sealed the dub for them to get game one. Uh, I still like the Celtics, but I wouldn't be mad at it, for the Eastern Conference. I would be excited to see either one of these teams in the finals. I'm not rooting for either team, uh, you know. Whereas in the Western Conference, I'm I'm all aboard the Nuggets train. All right, choo choo, let's go uh you know but for i'm just happy to see a great series and it, i'm happy it's not the calves obviously um and you know i'm i'm happy it's not uh you know just another i'm not happy it's not the raptors too right uh you know as as much as i like the raptors still but something new something different and and you know if it's the heat uh different storyline, you know, I'm sure that this was not what the NBA was suspecting at the beginning of this season.
0: Right. I like the heat. The way they've played as a team, as a collective unit. Um, you know, it's a different guy every night. You mentioned Tyler Hero off the bench has been terrific. He's a rookie, folks. Um, and he's played so well. You know, they still got Igadala and Jones and Olenek and Dragic and Robinson and Crowder and Butler. Um, I mean, there's so many units, and they play so well together as a team. I'd like to see the Heat win. I think that they will, but the Celtics are are so talented themselves. You know, Tatum's had the best year of his career. Marcus Smart's playing much better. Brown has turned into a good option, Um, so – I like the Heat. I'll take the Heat in, in seven in that one, too, Tom, but I don't feel confident saying that at all. Um, I think we're in for a, a good series and already off to a good start between those two teams. Before we get out of here today, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. Tom, where are we going to head to this time?
1: We're going to do two, Jones, but it's going to be quick two. Quick two, quick header of Tom Fullery here. I like these two stories and thought about them and figure we could make something funny out of both of them. The first one, Jones, the first one we'll do is uh, talking about current events down in the South. Uh, Current events as in what Travis Meyer would call a little bit of meteorology. And we're gonna talk about the hurricanes this year in 2020. There have been so many hurricanes this year that we've almost run out of names and jones this happened a few years back it did um but now we're back to it um this comes from ctv news um published on monday toronto in a very 2020 turn of events there have been so many hurricanes and tropical storms in the atlantic this year that we've almost run out of names for the, for them something that has only happened once before in 2005 so maybe i'm thinking katrina times um there are 21 names allotted for storms in the atlantic basin each year this year only one name on the list hasn't been given to a storm yet wilfred is the name it's been a busy year for storms currently no fewer than five tropical storm cyclones are churning in the atlantic basin hurricane sally and paulette were followed by tropical storms renee teddy and vicky the latter which is the second last name on the storm list so what happens when we run out of storm names what does it mean that we've gone through them so fast? Jones, do you know how a hurricane gets its name?
0: Uh, don't they like set out a list at the beginning of the year in alphabetical order and then it's based on what time of the year or something, something lands? Is that right? Let's
1: see how close you are, Tyler Meyer. Uh, According to the U.S.-based National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or the NOAA, hurricanes and storms are named after people because it's clear for communication, then describing storms by their longitude and latitude, which used to be the go-to method. Between 53 and 78, storms are exclusively given female names in the U.S., but male names were introduced in 78. Now male and female names alternate on the list for each year. The World Meteorological Organization chooses which names are, are storm worthy for Atlantic hurricanes. An international committee put together six lists of 21 names, which are then rotated so that one list is repeated every seventh year. Each list is a broadly alphabetical. The first three storms of 2020 season, for instance, were Arthur, Bertha, and Cristobal, but it skips the letters Q, U, X, Y, and Z simply because there aren't a lot of names. So let's start with those letters. In the interest of safety, names must be easily recognizable, the WMO states on its website. It uh, says a lot more, Jones. Like I said, we'll make it a little quick since we're doing a quick two here. Jones, so many, they're going to run out of names. And when they run out of names, it gets a little bit different. I'm trying to get to that point of the article. Uh, but the basis of this Tom tomfoolery, when it does run out of names, Jones, let's just say for Tom Foolery hypotheticals here, So all this damage caused by all these storms. Here's my pitch for when they run out of names, right? Okay. And it probably will happen. Uh, There's Wilfred left. There's one left. After they run out of names, I think that they should give up the naming rights to whoever wants to put the most money towards it. If you want to name it, uh, you know the Spongebob 400 at Kansas City uh, <laughs> Hurricane uh, or the Go Bowling Race at, you know, at Kansas City Speedway Hurricane or if you want to call it the Jones Report Hurricane if we had the money uh, or if you want to call it the Miracle Whip Hurricane if you want to put all that money here's the idea, all that money that you put towards naming that hurricane goes directly into the relief efforts caused by that hurricane
0: yeah. What about a company like BP, who had that big oil, they had that big oil spill a couple of years ago? You want to talk about like reversing course and making yourselves look better, be Hurricane BP,
1: right? And then all the money that you pay for the naming rights goes straight into the directly into the relief efforts for all the hurricanes that can happen that year.
0: Okay, Tom. Here's a question for you. I don't know you. why they
1: haven't done that.
0: Do you know what my favorite hurricane name ever was?
1: I mean, I would, my first guess would be Tyler, but it's probably not.
0: No. My favorite hurricane ever, the greatest named hurricane, go back to 2018. It landed in North Carolina. It was called Hurricane Chris.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure uh, I'm sure you know there was some uh some Bay jokes and some Halle Berry jokes. Oh the, the hurricane landed uh, in an
0: ABBA. 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 A-B-B, A-B-B. yeah, A-B-B. I'm in I'm, the club home sure in was uh,
1: <laughs> that's my name turn it up. Yeah, right. I'm sure there <laughs> That's had my hurricane. Turn it up. Out of that. <laughs> right. Right, you know, I'm so glad that we don't have to deal with horror, her, hor, hurricanes. That's a real bad hurricane. Is a hurricane? Hurricane. Uh, or just a stripper name in New Orleans. A hurricane. Just like uh, um, there's a difference but,
0: between being naked and naked.
1: Exactly, horror <laughs> and hurrah, hurrah. Uh. Her, hurry up hurry up I don't know I was gonna make a bad joke there um, but Jones I think they should just go ahead and give up some naming rights Maybe that's too uh, maybe that's insensitive I don't know because uh, people do die uh, and there's a lot of damage people lose their homes and, and that's one glad you know we deal with tornadoes here in Oklahoma and in Tornado Alley. Uh, but few and far between this year, uh, you know, being 2020, I'm surprised Oklahoma didn't get more tornadoes to be yeah. honest. Uh, it's, I mean, it's not, we're not out of the blue yet. Late September, early October, there has been tornadoes, but not usually like March or April or May. Right. Uh, Jones, other article. Here you go. Uh, here's, it's pretty much comes down to, are you trying this or not? Uh, it comes from us today. Money. um, Mountain Dew creates first cocktail for Red Lobster, the Dew Gorita. Here's when you can try the tequila drink. The first official Mountain Dew cocktail will soon be available at Red Lobster. Jones, real quick, when's the last time you've been to Red Lobster? It's It's been years for me.
0: Uh, it's been a couple of years. I like Red Lobster, but that's not the first place I go to for seafood.
1: True. I mean, the casino here in Bartlesville, they have... A all-you-can-eat seafood buffet with with as much as many crab legs as you can consume for like thirty bucks, and you can't really do that at Red Lobster, but they don't have the biscuits. So, uh, but you can get those biscuits at Walmart. Uh, article <laughs> continues: The Dugarita will be rolling out to select restaurants in September, and expected to be available nationwide by the end of 2020. And news released Tuesday, Red Lobster and PepsiCo said they were kicking off a new relationship with a cocktail that that would work together to leverage iconic PepsiCo brands across the Frito-Lay and Quaker range of products to co-create tasty menu items. The cocktail has the look of a soft drink and is Mountain Dew's take on a margarita and includes the citrus-flavored soda, tequila, and a few other special ingredients officials shared with USA Today. The Duggarita is the first delicious taste of the types of inspired menu items to come. Nelson Griffin, Red Lobster Senior Vice President and Chief Supply Chain Officer, said in the release. The new drink will be exclusively served at Red Lobster and suggested pairing is the Seafood Restaurant's Cheddar Bay Biscuits. Jones... I guess the article continues. More pairings are planned with both of our brands on deck to wow guests. Mountain Dew has never wowed me. <laughs> uh, we can't wait to dream up more phenomenal flavor pairings together to bring some very special offerings and experiences to the table. Jones, you know, I was 18 when I first started drinking. I'll come out and say it. I think a lot of people had their first beverage by 18. Uh, and probably, ex- you know, you can't, if you drank before you are 21, and... You know, experimented with mixology, pre-21 mixology. You didn't really care. It was two items. It was the, your liquor of choice and your mixer of choice. And I guarantee you at one point in time, I made my own dogarita out of Mountain Dew and tequila. Uh, pretty much it was whatever we could get our hands on. But I know for a fact this has been done. And multiple parties filled with eighteen-year-olds. I, I know it has. This has been done.
0: This is not an original idea. It's
1: not. I wouldn't call. No, I wouldn't call that phenomenal flavor <laughs> pairings. I get that you're, you know, the marketing person for PepsiCo, but calm down, Jethro.
0: I would try this though. I like Mountain Dew. It's okay. It's not bad, but it's not. Terrible, you know it's not great either, um, and tequila is fine with me. This I is w- something
1: I would imagine. This is something I would imagine would be on the Taco Bells that serve alcohol.
0: Yes, there but are a few of them. I was shocked there's when I in
1: Arizona. There's one in Vegas.
0: I was shocked when I read this was from Red Lobster. I thought this was definitely a Taco Bell or some cheap place of some sort. Did not expect this to be on the Red Lobster menu. Right,
1: I mean, you know what? We could have also threw in the Travis Scott meal.
0: I had that McDonald's the other day. Actually.
1: I've yet to try. How did you say the words? You know why I'm here.
0: I did not. I should have though. No. <laughs> no,
1: yeah, I wouldn't either.
0: But you, you know, did. did you say you
1: wanted the Travis Scott meal?
0: I did, and uh, basically, all I, I ended up asking for it without uh Ketchup and mustard and no onions, and so at that point it was just pretty much ordering a bacon uh you know quarter pounder at that point in time uh, but it was cheap it was only like six bucks. And really, I didn't
1: the Tyler Scott the Tyler Scott man.
0: right and i didn't have the sprite either I substituted that for a sweet tea so yeah uh, I guess i didn't really do the whole Travis Scott thing, but you know we were told that we would not have a vaccine ready for the coronavirus in 2020. I think we might have it now with the do-garita.
1: Yeah, that seems like it would kill a whole bunch. Uh, Jones, I'm going to Stillwater this weekend. They have a Red Lobster. Um, I'll be out of the game about the time that I would consume some food for about lunchtime. I can either go to Red Lobster, see if they have the do-garita, or I can go have a Schwab dog Larry is one of his favorite things to say, uh, in Boone Pickens is Schwab dog. Uh, so I can either have a Schwab dog in the stadium or I am going to call that red lobster and I'm going to see if they have the Dugarita and by God, if they do it, I'll stop in and I will try it. And I will report back on the Monday post game.
0: Hey, I like that. That's, uh, that's the way to have a post game report is on Monday. Give us a report on the, uh, do garita. I might have to do the same myself. Uh, we'll see. It sounds fine. I'm not opposed to it by any means. I'd give it a shot. Head of that with some Cheddar Bay Biscuits. Ooh, doggies. That might be so good, it may, might uh, make your tongue slap your brains out or something uh, by the end of the night. With that being said... Yeah, I'm going to try it. We will get out of here today. As always, subscribe to the Jones Report on uh, Apple, Spotify, Google Play. Leave us a five-star review and... Uh, we would love to hear from you there. Also on social media: Facebook dot com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, Instagram, uh, Jones underscore reports, Tyler Jones Live, uh, Insta Thomas, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live at Thomas underscore bridges and uh, at TJ Media Group. You can find us there. We have some exciting news coming in the couple next couple of weeks, so stay tuned for that. We will pass along that information to you when we can, and uh, let's just say that. Uh, you, you enjoyed the extra Monday show. We're not stopping there and we're bringing some friends along the way. So we'll uh, leave it at that. So Bring uh, Travis Scott, th- yes, Travis Scott, the Travis Scott podcast with uh, <laughs> yeah. with Jones and Bridges. I, I wish uh, if Travis Scott wants to do a podcast with us, give us a call. We, we, we might be able to work something out on that note. Uh, Got to run. We will see you all on Monday for the postgame report. Then back here, for a full show on Thursday of next week. Until then, for Riley Gates and Thomas Bridges and Brian O'Connor, I'm Tyler Jones saying so long. This has been another edition of Jones Report. We'll see you on Monday.